What's going on, guys? Dustin with the LFG 1904 show. Proud to announce our partnership with Law Tigers. If you have been in a motorcycle accident, let's get you the compensation you deserve today and get you back on the road. Go ahead and call this number, 858-306-1986. Once again, that number is 858-306-1986. Law Tigers, nationwide, doesn't matter where you're at. Call that number, LFG. Welcome to the LFG 1904 show. My name's Brendan. <laughs> My name's Rafa. Today we're joined by Jace of the Fast Life Garage. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? This is a return episode. You, you're making like a, a yearly June trip. <laughs> That's right, dog. <laughs> you're making a yearly June trip out here to California, huh? Yeah, if I can be here every June, that'd be a great time. It's, it, it's honestly not the best month either because it's gloomy. But you've caught a couple uh, sunny days, right? Yeah, it's been sunny. It, I'm I'm okay with that because I just rode through the devil's taint to get here, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the hottest shit. I, I mean, I've ridden through the desert so many times in my life, but as I get older, it hurts worse. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the heat, man, it's just like it was only 105, and I'm like, I've ridden through it at like 115 before. 105, I was like, I might die. <laughs> like I was coming into Yuma, and I was like, you know what? This might be my last meal. I'm going to go ahead and stop at Texas Roadhouse and get a steak. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Right next to the, behind the Chevron. Yep. I know exactly which Texas Roadhouse you're out there. Dude, you got to fucking stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to fucking lose my mind. They just keep beaming at me. <laughs> yeah, my kids live out there, so that's like the halfway point. Yeah. I always like try to run on fumes into Yuma mm-hmm. and fucking get gas at that Chevron. So I know exactly where that one is. It's not a bad spot, man. They had like a covered parking which yep. I thought was like, okay, this is cool because I wasn't expecting that. I, I was expecting to park in the sun, come out. My seat was going to be hotter and shit. Yep. And, uh, but no, it was all right. And then, yeah, rolling in, as soon as I started climbing elevation, it just started cooling off. And I was like, okay, this is nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like super hot and you're in a t shirt and you're just like, goddamn, sweating everywhere. And as soon as the temperature changed, like your nibbles get hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, God damn, when did it get so chilly? Especially like, so you know the part where you're, uh, you ride up on the windmills? Yeah. Then then that fucking canyon, Diablos Canyon, mm-hmm. that's fucking good riding, dude. I The coldest ride I've ever been on was through that for Dustin, which, wish you were here, buddy. He's fucking got to grind it out at work. But he did engagement photos. Oh, And shit. we fucking rode from here. And it was like a whole fiasco of a day. We rolled out to the Salton Sea where uh, Bombay Beach and like, Slab City, have you heard of those yeah, spots? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured much. You, you're an interesting guy. Yeah. So we rode all the way out there to do photos at Bombay Beach and then, like, kept fucking around, fucking around, and then it was, like, 6 o'clock at night and the sun had gone down in January, mm. and it was 28, and I had had the bike for, like, four months. Mm. And I'm behind them, like, 60 miles an hour shivering. I got fucking 80, 1988 deerskin fucking gloves with holes oh. in them. Ian's wearing two pairs of gloves. Fuck you, you fucking prick. I asked him for a pair of gloves. He was like... Nah, man. <laughs> nah, here, man. I got an extra pair here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dumb and dumber style, right? Yeah. Is that, I've been holding on to these. Is that really as bad as you riding with Sebastian and like, we're going to hit the twisties and hit all these canyons? That was pretty rough. Dude, too. and then I walk I, I walk into the gas station. He's literally in the fucking like in the bathroom with his hands like soaked inside of the, the water. The hot water. Like, yeah. That was Arizona so Bike Week. So stupid. Arizona Bike Week. Yeah, because yeah, uh, that's in April, so you still got some, like, it's even cooler out there in the desert. Well, we had had record, like, rainfall. rainfall. So, and then wherever there was elevation, there was a fuck ton of uh, snow. And this mm. year was, like, it was wet, and it was cold this year in California. So, we're going out for this bachelor ride. This Him and uh, the best ma'am at the wedding, 
took the fucking highway and I was like, oh yeah, we're going to go up to the 79 and fucking drop in. There's this like, it goes from like the mountains and it drops into the desert and it's a sick ass road. Well, I didn't account for it being fucking freezing cold with snow on the ground. Mm. We had a guy go down. We had a guy run out of gas. That was, that one wasn't as bad because the first one coming back with Dustin was my first exposure to the cold on the bike. And like, I was such a new rider. It was fucking miserable. Mm. And I was not prepared. I was at least prepared for the bachelor ride. You did not look prepared at all. No, I mean I was having a real shitty time in the in the <laughs> fucking like, AM bathroom. Why do I do this to myself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was literally yeah. like hunched over, like thawing out my hands, and this was like taking a piss, filming me and laughing, and I'm like, <laughs> I just wanted to assault him in the in the shitty bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I hate you. Yeah, the desert's a con- it's a it's a conniving bitch, right? Yeah. Ain't it? Because in the sun, in the in the day, it's the hottest shit, and then at right. night, it's just like it's Rural. insanely cold. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's such an extreme in it, right? So, I came through once, uh, stayed in Yuma one night, woke mm-hmm. up because I wanted to do some photos at in Glamis. Yeah. And then from there, I was gonna go to Salvation Mountain because I've always wanted to check that out. I actually want to do a whole run, you know, up the Salton Sea all the way up to like a what is it, Indo or Indio? Palm, in yeah. Indio. Indio. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, it's just out of the way, right? Yeah. So usually if I come to San, this way, I'm going to San Diego. If I go the, the North way, I'm going to LA, right? So right. it's never like, I'm gonna go to San Diego and then cut up. It's just. Cause you uh, never make it to San Diego. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so I ended up riding through Julian this time and this was in like a uh, early March and I, everybody in Yuma was like, yeah, it's probably going to be snow. Up there. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. I'm in fucking desert out here. Southern California, dude. San I Diego. barely got up halfway the mountain. It was covered in snow, like feet of snow. And, you know, I was going to Oceanside to hang out with Lucky Dave and all those guys. And, dude, it was it was gnarly. And so yesterday with Juan, we went riding through Julian again to, was it the hideout? Ju- uh, hideout. Josie's. Hideout. Josie's. That's his yeah. clubhouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his stickers are everywhere, dude. Yeah. Um, He's the president over there. <laughs> so we had rode the Sunrise Highway, which was it's ab- absolutely epic. epic. Oh, yeah, badass yeah. highway. Yeah, yeah. And then we went through Julian. I was like, oh, shit, I it's this town doesn't look the same without snow on everything and like plowed to the side <laughs> and stuff, you know? Yeah. But it's halfway uh, decent, ain't it? Yeah. yeah, it's not bad, man. But I seen that you got that ride and that's like that's the pinnacle of San Diego riding right there. And you can literally go take that range all the way up into Oceanside Escondido. Mm. It'll yeah, there's, all there's the way to so many like that Julian and like Sunrise Highway, like Papa Tool, like Palomar, Santa Isabel, Crest, that whole riding. Dude, area what's crazy is he could have taken you past Julian to the banner grade and that's like a 10 percent grade mm-hmm. all the way down into borrego springs which is the f- it's like where cars was filmed you know what i mean it's the oh desert yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you can get you can get the beach the mountains and the desert all in one ride well i mean we ended up doing the mountains yesterday and uh we ended up in ocean beach yep. eating OB. tacos and it was Hell pretty dope yeah. yeah uh but yeah i mean dude you guys are spoiled down here very but i don't know we were we that's one thing that me and pot uh, and Juan have been talking about is how I get it if you have a motorcycle and you live in a place like this, why you wouldn't leave. But, and also, I understand because you have, like like I said, you got the devil's taint on the other side of those mountains where to go see something different, you got to go another thousand miles once you cross over the over these mountains, right? Yeah. To go see something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get it why most people in SoCal don't leave SoCal. Mm-hmm. And you have some great riding. So you, you either got to go... Super north, so you got to go through the Central Valley, which is kind of, it's like adjacent, desert adjacent, yeah. or you have to go through the taint. Do, do you always shoot New Mexico, Arizona, all the way across? No, I usually go through Maine. 
<laughs> so I fucking live in Texas, dude. It's the only way to get across. <laughs> well, you yeah. could go up to yeah. Colorado and drop back in. All right, that was all right. That yes. was a good one. Nah, it's a. Uh, I had that coming. <laughs> what the? Fuck? <laughs> Ah! That was good. I deserve that. <laughs> nah, boy, I go to Canada, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. I know, I got, actually, I have a. I don't agree with their politics, in. so I go all the way up to Montana and around. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, it's usually it just it, it's different, you know, every time. Like this time, I, when I came out this way, I went to Amarillo first and did a podcast, right. and then cut at an angle down to uh, Phoenix, down to Yuma, then over over to here. So. I got to ride a lot of New Mexico and, and Arizona that I haven't ridden before. Mm. Um, and that way, it's like, you know, I had a little bit more time on this trip to do that rather than just jumping on uh, the 20 10. to the 10 to the 8 or the 40, 40 the right? Yeah. So I've done those a million times. And, man, getting off the highway, there's just there's a lot of cool shit out there, man. And I'm I'm interested in, in like, that uh, part of America – it's funny. I met this this guy on a Goldwing. You meet the nicest people on a Honda, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we ended up pulling up to this cafe in the middle of New Mexico together, and we're just like, I guess we're eating together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool dude. Ended up being from Fort Worth, Texas, so right down the street from where I'm from. And mm-hmm. we started chopping it up. And I told him how, like, you know, you know, I stayed in a Route 66 hotel the first night in Tucumcari, and got some badass shots with one of the neon signs with my bike, and you know, I love that whole thing. But I'm there's like this part of America that like people seem to forget about that when the roads first got built and the diners and the motels and the whole concept, everybody in the country was traveling by car and you had all these, it's basically like the cars movie, right? Mm -hmm. And all these old towns, especially once you get out into the desert in New Mexico, West Texas, Arizona, they got these cool little motels that are done. They're fucked now, (laughs) (laughs) but you're just like thinking like, man, as someone that loves to travel on motorcycles, I wish I could have experienced it when these places were in their heyday. You know what I mean? Right. And um, I just dig that shit. And then I, you know, I just go down these rabbit holes on YouTube, learning about the roads and, you know, how culture has kind of created, you know, industry was created by roads. And now we're in this, this space where people are like, you know, electric cars driving themselves and everybody flies everywhere and, you skip over all these parts of the country, and I still like the feeling of going through those things. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's weird. It's my own little. I like that. That's though. my little boomer in me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you know about the 50 through Nevada? Have you been on it? I've been on some of it. Uh, the Loneliest Highway. Yeah. Uh, I want to do the part of it that goes that comes out of Utah into Nevada. I've only done it from about Winnemucca over to Virginia, Be- Virginia City. Right. Which is badass. Yeah. No, I just went through there last year where me and Jaden went through there. Okay. Uh, we had left our other group in uh, Boise and we dropped down and uh, we're, we were headed to Reno. So instead of just staying on, what, 80 up there, we just jumped down to 50. I got to check it out because it looks, I mean, the Loneliest Highway, I mean, it's got fucking some history. Yeah. And Pony I, Express, yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, what I like about, why we do we talk about social media before why, this? I'm sorry. I'm Go ahead. I'd be ignorant on it, but like, why do they, why do they call it the Loneliest Highway? nothing on it there's nothing out there it just like cuts through nevada and there's like yeah i mean there's not a highway in nevada that has anything on it but this <laughs> one has less than anything. i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> like has less than nothing if that makes shit out in yeah. the <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's yeah. reno and there's vegas yeah. you know what I mean? yeah, and the yeah, rest yeah. of it is like oil fields and and unibombers it's just hot as and the hills shit. have eyes basically. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I d- i'm somebody asked me what what's in like the eastern northeastern corner of nevada couldn't tell you. Uh, salt flats, basically. Yeah. Well, that's more Utah, but that's kind of 
you know, uh, what is it, a uh, Wendover's right there, and yeah. kind of a everything in Nevada. It's like their currency is casino, right? Yeah. So every town has an essence of casino in it. Like you go to Winnemucca. I mean, I don't know if Winnemucca has anything, but I know that uh, uh, Wendover, which is on the border of Utah, they have a casino vibe there. So a lot of right. people either work within the casinos or something to that nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like a, a small towns on the on the open road. It's like truck stops are kind of like the Walmart that employs the the locals yeah, yeah. and keeps the industry alive in those areas. That's why when they talk about automated trucks and things like that, there's going to be even less people between these big cities, you know, going from Albuquerque to Flagstaff. There's going to be less, right. you know, from Tucson to Las Cruces. There's going to be less because those truck stops end up keeping these towns alive. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Right. Loves and fucking what else? Pilot, Pilot flying J flying J's. Yeah. Yeah. Sheets. <laughs> yeah. Dude, what what about New Mexico? Uh, do you have you hit any of the? There's like within Albuquerque, there's like five fucking national parks. Have you cruised any of them? Uh, no, because Albuquerque is a shithole. So I just get through there. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm spending a weekend there in July. <laughs> Good I'm luck. Doing, I'm doing <laughs> great. Doing a Friday <laughs> and Saturday show there. I'm I really excited because I've never been. I think the only thing fun to do in Albuquerque is go to Math. do the. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to say drugs. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> what. <laughs> that was good, huh? That was a good oh, spot. Yeah, yeah. He's getting better at, at timing with it. I yeah. guess so. Um, <laughs> they got that Breaking Bad tour. Oh, shit. You go oh, see, like, shit. the house where they filmed, the, like, a lot of the spots. I think that'd be interesting. Have you yeah, seen yeah. the clips of the house that are like, stop coming to our yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. house? Yeah. <laughs> stop taking photos here. Well, they, they have that big mountain range right there. And, that you know, they, they filmed, uh, what is it, Wild Hogs there mm -hmm. in that little area. So, I mean, there's cool shit to do in, in Albuquerque, but. A lot of New Mexico, a lot of the, the smaller towns like the Farmingtons and things like that, they just, it's just like not a bustling culture of, of prosperity. And so it can be depressing in some of those areas, you know? Mm. Um, and I don't mean to like say that as, as talking shit about it. I yeah. just think that it's just some beautiful land, but it's very barren. You know what I mean? There's not a lot out there. And then when you come through these spots, like, you almost like, as somebody from Dallas, Texas, who has no terrain to speak of, <laughs> I see places like this that has terrain. I'm like, how come how come this isn't celebrated more? How come you haven't turned this into some kind of, uh, you know, oasis of, like, you know, outdoors Culture. something? You know, why isn't it like Moab? Like, yeah. do you have to have arches for it to be a trendy spot for people to go to? Or is there not enough Instagram, you know, spots to go take pictures at to make this place yeah, right. alive again? You <laughs> know what I mean? Right, right, right. But, I mean, of course, New Mexico has places like Rio Doso and Taos and, and the, what do they call that thing up there? Like that. <sighs> Is it up north? Yeah, it's like Red River, Taos, and uh, uh, another town that's kind of like the circle of, uh, I don't, I forget, they have a name for it. But it's like, you know, a lot of ski towns and stuff up there yeah. and, and cool shit. S Santa Fe's dope. Yeah. You know? But, once again, it's like, there's a part of Santa Fe that's dope, and then it's surrounded by, like, uh, the hood. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And anybody in New Mexico, like, when I, I've said this before, when I took the Greyhound through New Mexico to come to California, the most, be like, I saw my first desert. I yeah. saw the first sunrise in the desert. It was Dude. six in the morning. The overpasses are all painted. Like, it's beautiful. Let me tell you something I was thinking about coming out of Yuma and passing through the dunes. When I was a kid, up until about 22 years old, I thought all the desert was the dunes. As soon as you, like, that's the only thing that I consider to be a desert. Right. Right through culture, cartoons, and I just assumed that, like, the Sahara Desert was kind of like all of Arizona was just sand like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's you know a I mean? sphinx yeah. somewhere out there, <laughs> yeah. a fucking yeah. pyramid. 
Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark is going to just come right. emerging out yeah. of the dunes. Indiana Jones about to fly off yeah. this bitch. Something. I just never <laughs> knew the concept of it was like dunes in certain areas of, yeah, of the yeah. country. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because there's dunes in the most random parts of the country. Yeah. You know, we have a small one out in West Texas called uh, Mohannes, and then there's one in northwest Oklahoma, mm. and then there's one in Michigan, and then, of course, there's some here, uh, she, um, Colorado, and then up in Oregon. D- I didn't, until I started traveling to Denver more often, and I had already been to Denver like three or four times, it's at the high desert. It's like Victorville, but cooler. Yeah, yeah. And, like, for anybody who knows Victorville, it's not that fucking cool. <laughs> it's like, the it, that's the, the pit stop before you get to Vegas, and Denver's just a big-ass desert surrounded by big-ass mountains. Yeah. I, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with Denver because their airport's a fucking nightmare. It's <laughs> constantly under construction. Oh, first-world problems, huh? I know, I know. <laughs> I can't get a good fucking chicken sandwich in the morning. It's a fucking, it's a pain. Yeah, <sighs> yeah Denver's all right, though. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all y'all. This has been another. <laughs> Dude, I like the lowrider. Are you Thank liking you. it, though? Uh, I, there's parts of it I love. There's parts of it that um, coming off of a bagger, it's a hard transition. You know, um, I think that, you know, all my boys, my homies, uh, the Fast Life crew that we travel all over the country together, they've all been on soft tails for since we started traveling. Right. And I've always been on a bagger. And now jumping down to the soft tail, I kind of have a lot more respect for them, <laughs> you know, because it's like, damn, I've been doing all this traveling. My hands right now are, are numb from the vibration of that bike versus the vibration that's little to none on the road glide, right? Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if it's arthritis <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm literally just like don't have as much feeling in the in the tips of my fingers be it, you ever hold a pa- like an air tool before, like yeah. a grinder oh, yeah. for a long time and eventually your hands start to itch? Yeah. That's what it feels like on the on the low rider, but that's what it feels like on the Dyna too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That it's definitely the, the that's difference. It feels between like in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Jerking off all those dudes. Yeah, yeah, you don't gotta, yeah, you don't got a button smash yeah, for that, me. On that, that was a good button spot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but no, dude, the the difference in bagger to fucking soft tail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Damn. Damn. I don't even remember what I was gonna say. Anyways. Did you ever say the bagger and soft tail? It vibrates so much vibrates. more. Way well, more. The reason why I wanted to do the sop to this do the sop tail and make it my main travel bike this year is because I've had four uh, M8 baggers, no three M8 baggers since 2017, and I've just there's nothing there's nothing I can do to it other than my typical kit. You know, this bars, this seat, this exhaust, this paint job. Like I, I've done that so many times, and I've traveled on it so much that. It wasn't like inspiring. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like fuck. I'm so stoked to do this, you know. And the soft tail, like when they first came out, like my buddy, one of the guys that travels with us, uh, friends, we did his soft tail. He had a, a sport glide. Right when they came out, we were at the dealership, picked it up, immediately took it apart, built it, did it all dope. And then he's been riding that bike ever since. Got damn near sixty thousand miles on it now. I like the sport glide. People hate on it, but I like it. I love it too. I think there's things that they could have did differently, obviously. Yeah. But the rake. Um, the I rode that bike a little bit, and I was like, "This sucks. I'm not doing that." So I just been on the bagger. Now, when the ST came out, like I was, you know, I, I like it. I think it looks good. It's a good looking bike. But it seemed like it checked enough boxes for me to be able to travel on. It had a good size fairing. It had the bags. Obviously, I was going to have to be more mindful of how I packed, which I have been. 
But one of the other homies has just a normal low rider with sport glide bags, and then he put a tour pack on it and on, on our travels last year. Mm. So riding next to him, I'm like, man, that looks fucking good. So I was like, well, I wouldn't be able to travel on this bike if I can't run a tour pack. But I don't like running tour packs at all because I don't like the way it looks on bikes. But the necessity, right? Mm -hmm. I have and this is this is a flex. I have enough money in that tour pack to buy that ST <laughs> and equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and camera equipment, laptop, shit like that. So yeah. it's like I need something, you know, and the sport glide bags are very narrow. Yeah. And there's right, lots right. of, sh like, shapes in it that kind of protrude in. Yeah. So I don't want to put camera gear in it. You know what I mean? So, like I said, it, 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 it serves a purpose. And, and by seeing all that, it kind of made me feel, like, more open with doing it. And then – you know, my relationship with uh, Tommy from Cowboy Harley-Davidson, it just makes it easy for me to get into a new bike. And, you know, I wanted to do something new. I wanted to experience something new on the road because every bike that you travel on is a different experience than the one, like, before. Like a Dyna, I've ridden Dyna cross-country, and it's its own experience, you know, uh, yeah. versus an FXR or a bagger and now a soft tail. So I just don't think I'll ever do it on a Sportster, to be honest with you. How do you, <laughs> how do you like that uh, Bassani exhaust? I love it. I mean, the relationship that I've been building with Bassani over the last two years has been been really awesome. Like meeting Daryl and doing the podcast with him, um, understanding the history behind that brand and how much they have leaned into the whole Dyna culture over the last ten years. I respect that a lot, and I'm I'm kind of proud to work with companies like that that I feel like give back and create more opportunity and they support a lot of people in the industry. So that's another good thing. Right, right. And honestly, I've never had any issues with it. I know people. There's not an exhaust company out there that someone has not had an issue with the bracket breaking or something like that, right? Right, right. It happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I personally haven't had that issue. I don't know Bassani. I've never had an issue with you it. You know? Nice. And, you know, of course, like, if I have an issue with it, sometimes it gets fixed a little quicker than if a random dude does. So there's always that caveat, right? Right, right. Um, but at the same time, I just, I enjoy it. I I do like the black chrome a lot. You were the first one with it last year. Yeah. They yeah. put it on the fucking road glide. I saw it. I come out. I'm like, damn, that looks. Yeah, I, when I came here, yeah. I had just left Bassani. And it had to it put here. on. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's new. And you're like, that's brand fucking new. Yeah. Ain't nobody got that. Yeah. <laughs> so right. perks, baby. Perks. That's, yeah, you know. You earned like it, said, though. Yeah, that's what people, <laughs> they forget that. <laughs> Dude, that's also one of my favorite things about you, Jace, is how committed you are to the community yeah. and how you have zero tolerance for people who take without giving back. And well, we've had our own side conversations about that. Like, there's plenty of people that suck the fucking Harley community dry and give them fucking nothing in return. Yeah, yeah, and they, they don't last long, you know what I mean? Yeah. But what sucks is, you know, I mean, there's so many ways someone can suck the life out of a out of, you know, motorcycling. And it could be through the financial gains of, like, doing business with people, or it could be just making the scene suck mm. and making people not want to be a part of it, therefore not riding motorcycles, right? So, you know, like like I said, pay it forward, man. Make this thing fun. Make it better than when you got it, Yeah, you know? And if everybody had that mindset, then, dude, this thing would be a fucking amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? But New you Mexico, know, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's just a lot, man. There's, there's, there's a lot to that, but, you know... uh Obviously, like the the bigger that my platform gets, the the more opportunity it gives me to do more things. You know, I'm not I don't make enough money yet to be to sponsor people mm -hmm. or to financially do things. So I try to I try to create opportunity through networking and bringing people together, uh, exploiting people that deserve to be exploited. Um, and yeah, there there is gatekeeping in that because I am the person choosing whether or not to 
exploit this person or not. And I'm using the word exploit. I don't mean it in a negative sense. Yeah, in a negative sense. I mean like showing the world somebody that's doing something, right? Yep. Um, trying to get their message out to whatever audience I have. You know what I mean? Which, like I said, it's not – I'm not trying to be that guy that's like, a, you know, if you want <laughs> – if you want to get on the Fast Side podcast, you know, you got to do this and this and this and you got to be, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to do that. Like if I meet you or hear about you and like find a way that I can have a conversation with you that's going to do you justice, then I'll 100% do a podcast with you. Okay. But there's also people that, that like I think you're doing cool, but I don't know how to do a podcast with them that my audience would give a shit about it. Right. I was shocked when you asked me if I wanted to come on. I was yeah, like, me too. I'm just like, <laughs> 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 I was like, damn. No, nah, well, you were in Dallas, man. It, and, uh, you know, I had fun doing this podcast with you guys last year. Um, and what you guys are, what even more so was how many people were reaching out to me. And I uh, maybe reached out to you guys, too, after we did that podcast on y'all's channel last year that was stoked that guys like you guys exist. So, yeah, there's a lot. I have so many friends that are sober that come to our camp out that are in our world. So it makes sense to promote somebody that's, becoming spokesman for that that scene right yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying a pillar in that in that area yeah. of the scene so that's and, and you guys have energy which I, I don't know why we always think sober people are just like lethargic <laughs> just yeah. like as fuck mm-hmm. Sub, fuck guys. around and i'll yeah. fuck yo yeah. chick nigga what's up bro <laughs> <laughs> don't do that what for your own fucking personal mental health don't do that <laughs> fucking <laughs> i've always taken your advice very seriously because i i remember asking you know, I, I get very ambitious i'm like i want to do a camp out and you're like Attend some first. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to do that first, but we're starting our own bike night. How is bike night going at Cowboy? Nice. Oh, well, I don't know. that. That's Cowboy runs that. Oh, that's not a we, fast life thing? No, no. We just oh. tried to help. Cow, like, Austin itself is very club-oriented. It's really hard to create. In my opinion, it's really hard to create bike nights in the scene that we have in Dallas in a very club. It sounds fucked up, but it's the best way I can put it. A club-infested area. Yeah. Right? Clubs... Not all, but a lot of times I see when you have a very club-heavy area and you do a bike night, they take over. And they don't take over with this openness of everybody communicating, talking, shooting the shit, right? They Sometimes take it's over. posturing. It's a lot of posturing. It's a lot of groups and different tables, different areas that are just not, like, approachable, right? And I'm, I'm saying this because I think that in Dallas we have clubs, and sometimes clubs come to our event, but they come and they interact, Right. And it makes it better. And also, I've been saying this a lot. I think that people that think that a successful bike night is 100 people, you're you're missing the point. I think a successful bike night is 20 to 30 people because you can talk to 20 or 30 people and more people can gain something from going and being at that bike night. Right. When you get to a big number bike night, you get posturing, you get groups segregated from each other. So they never communicate. And the whole point of bike night is to meet people. Co-mingle. Exactly. So. I've always said, like, look, and I even said this to the dealerships and the people that are, are brands that want to do bike nights. You as a brand can impact 30 people at a bike night. You can't impact 100 people. You can't converse with 100 people. You can't convert 100 people to come buy a motorcycle from you. But you can do it to about 30 people. And then those guys become ambassadors for your brand, and they go back and tell their friends and let it go that way. That makes me feel so much better. Because yeah. we, we, we're doing a bike night every third. Like, this Thursday, we have a bike night here. Mm-hmm. And... 
I was starting to get like we would throw an event and we'd have two hundred fucking people show up for yeah. whatever else was going on, not just for us. Like, let me fucking clarify that. But then we'd do a bike night on a Thursday, and I'd have twenty or thirty people. And That's like, what you fuck, want, man. But now that I hear that, I'm like, I'm looking at it wrong. I need to fucking yeah get a better and, perspective. And you know, make sure that the people that are supporting it l- look at it the right way too, because. That needs to be the opportunity that they have more of an opportunity to connect with thirty people versus the hundred people just looks good on the gram, right? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't provide a better experience, you know. And if the people that are only choosing to go to something because it's looking like that, then they're just li- they they haven't been to enough things to understand why it's important to go to something that you have more connection at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger events. I think that when you first get into motorcycling, like, you want to go to the, the, the wild, raging big things, right? Yeah. But you're also seeing that through the eyes of the people that have the connections to be in behind the scenes. Yes. Right? The guys behind, you know, the ones behind all the things going on at Sturgis, right? And that Sturgis is a bad example. That place is just amazing. But, you know, like, say say the big 200-people event here. Yeah. And you guys have a booth, and you're behind the thing at the, the brawl. and th- You know what I mean? Like, you have yeah. a different pass to something then the, the spectator is going to get right thousand percent so when you put that out there they think they're going to get that and then they come and they're sitting here behind this line and there's this whole other thing going on over there that's it, it doesn't translate and and i think that when it happens like that you're gonna have less people interested to come to the next one as opposed to when somebody comes and maybe they're coming to hang out with the lfg guys and you have the time to go converse with a lot of these people and they get to meet you and you get to ask them hey man where'd you ride in from Where's your bike? What you know, like some way to connect with these people, it creates a better connection, right? Mm. And you get more people to come back. That's why our bike night, five years strong now. Sometimes it's three people, sometimes it's a hundred people, but the thing is, it's consistently every week, and we have a relationship with the bar that we do it at, and that bar understands it as well. And you know, sometimes it's therapy for the people that show up. Sometimes it's like. You know, let's just have a fucking good night. Fucking Sometimes, ragers. you know, it's I'm not getting home till three in the morning. Sometimes I'm home at ten o'clock. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm gonna play a little PlayStation tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think bike nights can, uh, you know, w- with the the world like being as big as it is now, and you know, Dallas Fort Worth is like one of the top, one of the biggest metroplexes in in America, right? Love it. And so we have a lot of people there, but. There's also a lot of people that aren't really like us. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that we have a scene that's like us where we don't have to go and we, we can dress the way we dress and other older bikers aren't going, look at these yuppies over here. You know, they don't have leather on. They're not real bikers, you know. Yeah. I was telling you about earlier. It's that whole, you're not like me, so I'm better than you, you yeah, know, kind of right. shit that goes on, right? But, yeah, I think that bike nights should be, if people looked at it more like build 30 solid people that show up and then that, like, be happy with that. Be content with that. And then right. try to make it a better experience for that every time. And then next thing you know, also don't make it, don't make bike nights. Okay, let me give you. If you're putting bands at your bike night, that's not a bike night anymore. That's a fucking concert, right? If you're doing all this shit, like, a bike night should be simple. Means it should be about bikes. If you drink, there should be a way for you to have a drink to loosen up, to be more open about talking to somebody. Don't make it a spectacle. Don't make it a circus because then you're not going to do it all the time because it's so much work. Right. Fuck. Then it becomes then it becomes work. It yeah. does. Yeah. Make it simple about bikes, hanging out, talking mm-hmm. about your bikes, doing that kind of stuff. Bike night should be a place where people can come together, meet each other, and make plans for the weekend. 
Right. I be telling these motherfuckers all the time, keep shit simple. Yeah. I'm over here complicating it yeah. for sure. And I like that aspect of it too, is where I can bring people, people fuck with us, right? You like LFG 1904 as a brand. You, there's something you can relate to it. You show up, you meet another dude. They're like, Hey, what's up, dude? My name's fucking Tom. Oh, so cool. My name's Dick. Tom and Dick just became friends. And then Harry shows up and then there, there's three bros that met at a fucking bike night and now they're fucking going around. I bet you if Saturday. I hit a button, he's going to say some shit. Nah. <laughs> That was button worthy, right? Yeah, kind of. I just had, right. a, I had a revelation here sitting here. I'm like, damn, I've been I've been looking at it. Well, it doesn't have to be an event. It yeah. just, it's a hangout. Do it like this. I would say do your if you do it weekly or bi-weekly or whatever. Once a month. That's the other thing. Well, if you do it once a month, you kind of got to make more of a spectacle, right? Right. Does because doing it more often yeah, create I think consistency? Consistency, I think, is where it's at. But it's also work. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, for five years, if I'm in Dallas, I'm at this place, you know, that – it's every Tuesday, stra- it's strain on a relationship. It's uh, it's a lot of things, but yeah. you know, it's the uh, it's the commitment that that you know. Mm-hmm. If you live in Dallas, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be sitting at that bar, you know, which it's a restaurant bar. It's not like it's just beer and stuff like that. But I'm sitting there, and sometimes you're going to get the best of me. Sometimes you get the worst of me. It depends on where I'm at. That might be my therapy for the weekend. I've had a hard weekend, a hard week, and I just need to go there and fucking have a good beer, and I'm good. Right. Feel better, right? Or I'm just there and I'm having fun. I'm it's everything's great and I want to share that that fun with people, you know. So it's true. It's my. It's for me too. It's it's my getaway. Dude, you really do have a lot of projects going on. You got the FXR tour going on. Yeah. What What's the breakdown on that? Because you're building a chopper FXR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but you're also interviewing people around the country that are. Uh, I'm not doing the interview around the. Uh, we're not doing that. So we're just trying to build the groundwork right now, and the people that are involved are all great people in the industry so and they all know that they're helping create the groundwork for this that we hope to keep going year after year um and it's just something that my buddy justin uh goes by my machinist on instagram he came to me with the idea at the down south camp out we were hanging out and we just kept talking about it and uh you know just decided to put it together you know and i'll I'll be honest with you i think some of it kind of came out of spite like we're two people that, that create cool things that get a lot of attention, but yet a lot of the world, the powers that be, just never look at us and give us those opportunities. So we decided to create it for ourselves. Fuck yeah. And then we decided to bring people in into it that we felt the same way, and then we leveraged some people that do get those opportunities to kind of help solidify and validate what we're doing, like FXR Division, who is also building a bike for Born Free, uh, the mm-hmm. Harley thing. And then having these guys and these relationships, and, and most people um, in the industry know that know me personally know that if I do something, I, I try my best. I put my best foot forward on it. I don't half-ass anything. So most people that we asked, or everybody that we asked said, fuck yeah, we're 100% down. We know that you're not going to fucking half-ass this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're going to create it. And I'll be honest with you, it's been tough because of the time and, and whatnot to be a builder on it and – the the show the person behind the the scenes so i'm really looking forward to next year and all the all the ideas i want to do to create a, a very awesome experience for the people that are watching it and the people involved in it this year you know we're doing our best like i'm literally going to sit down with saddleman tomorrow morning to talk about more sponsorship stuff because they're super interested in it mm-hmm. so we have a lot of industry that wants it to happen you know um so we're, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that it, that we do it right, that we make it, you know, 
and th- th- nobody wins. Like that's the thing that me and Justin are pretty proud of is that there's no you got the best FXR. The winners of this are let me let me paint this picture for you. Maybe you can appreciate this. So we have a group chat, right? Every builder's in this group chat. So everybody in a typical setting would be that would be their competition, right? Mm. Well, this group chat is full of people helping each other build their bikes, nice. whether it's knowledge or parts or services. And good amount of, sh- of shit talking, oh right? Yeah. Healthy. The way you win this thing is that you show up to Durango, trailer if you want, it doesn't matter, and you ride it from Durango to Born Free, Texas. It's a 1,000 miles. And we're going to stop in Amarillo, and we're going to stop in Dallas at our pre-party at Stroker's. So a three-day ride to get there, and the way you win what we're having custom knives made that are going to be engraved with, like, FXR Tour, there's a lot of money to get these fucking knives made, but <laughs> um, the way you win is by not having to put your bike on a trailer and making it. So it's in everybody's best interest for the class of one to make sure that everybody involved makes it start to finish rather than, like, I'm the only one that made a bike a thousand miles like that to me that makes it look like you you didn't have a very collective like when you travel on a bike with people and someone breaks down you end up figuring out how to get this dude back on the road right right, right. It builds, so yeah, it actually unifies very exactly yeah, so yeah. we're trying to take the best things out of what was the biker build uh build off in the chopper era the heyday of tv stuff right the hot bike tour which was an amazing event for a lot of people and we're taking away the toxicity out of it Right. Right. Which sounds super progressive, super gay. Oh, yeah. Gay you as know, AIDS. Gay as AIDS. Yeah, take off your affliction jeans and just be a brother. Yeah, like it. <laughs> Good one. There you go. <laughs> Another beautiful moment brought to you in part by Chase and his FXR love companions. <laughs> love companions. <laughs> so the, the idea is, is that it's like you want to just, it's fun enough. It's fun enough to build a bike around some people that, you know, you never thought you would be building a bike against. Like, there's guys in there that are, this is their first real opportunity to show their ass. You know what I'm saying? And there's other guys that's been doing it for fucking 20 years. So, I think that that, and, and then, I, I just love the purpose of it. And I think that a lot of people outside in the industry that want to be a part of it love it too. And we just, I just want to make sure that we keep it pure that, I do intend to make money on this. I don't think we're going to make any money on this now, but I don't intend to make money on this as far as like getting rich, obviously. Right. It's a lot of fucking work. And so finding a way to cover kind of the time involved in the, the meetings and the, and you know, when I, next year I do intend to go to every builder and do a podcast and video and put together this compilation of things. Like I do intend to make money on this. And so does Justin eventually, but it's not the purpose. Right. You know, and it sucks that you got to preface that now these days. Like people want you to create stuff, but they don't want you to make money. Right. You know, and they it, it just it blows my mind how many people expect the world to be because they ride motorcycles and you ride motorcycles. There's you, it's it's unfair that you get paid to do it and they don't. But yet they don't do what you do. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into this shit. Yeah, dude. People miss that. They yeah. it's like, bro, you quit your job and fucking chase your passion and then you'll understand why I want to get fucking incentivized to do this. Yeah. To yeah. create more cool shit instead right. of just... It, otherwise, it just becomes bland. The, the thing is that if, if my goal was only to make money, then I wouldn't... I would only chase the things that made money. I wouldn't bother going to do a podcast with the guy that just has a good message. I would always chase the guys with the biggest followings. 
right? Because that's where I'm going to get the most views and get the most attention. So why would I fucking waste my time on someone that has 1,200 followers and, you know, dabbles in motorcycles? But they, yeah, it's a cool story. Yeah. But that does, you know what I mean? Like, why would I do that? Because I think that the point is, is to rise everybody up in a way that they're doing something cool. I know that in my career and every level of it, if anybody ever would have reached down to me and said, hey, man, I see you're doing something good, that was a confidence boost to keep me going, right? To keep me trying to kind of grow in this in this shit show. Yeah. As opposed to if you don't ever look at these people, then you 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 raise resentful You Yeah, you make people. somebody good on a resentment. Yeah, and, I mean, they're still going to make it regardless, but the last thing you need is for um, – Man, there's just like this good rap song, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I tried to reference it. You referenced refer- it in another podcast. I yeah. forgot what it was. I forgot what it was, but he I tried said, to look it up too. Uh, uh, young, you said it a while ago. <laughs> fed up because OGs didn't feed us, mm-hmm. right? Now it's something about taking it, right? So yeah. it's like because of the OGs of this thing, they don't reach down and see people doing good shit and kind of pump them up or give them a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of help, a little bit of something, it's like they're still hungry down there, and they're going to get there eventually. Right, right. But now they're going to get there out of spite. Hello. You know, and you'd be like, you know what, fuck all y'all. You know, and I'm kind of that way. I'll be honest with you. I have a lot of spitefulness in me. Right. I, it's something I struggle with. I try not to let that overtake my complete nature of being, right? Right, right. But, man, my journey to get here has been fucking tough, dude. A lot dude. of hard work. You said like 20 years? Yeah, over twenty years. Right? Twenty years in January, I've been in the motorcycle industry. Damn it! And you also came up in an era where it was the magazines, mm-hmm. and then it was the internet wasn't the thing. A lot of people didn't want to turn the page, and you fucking on a resentment. Well, I built Fast Life Garage. It because you bailed on the on the homies with money. Not really. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. You bailed on those motherfuckers, and then kicked it off out of the fucking garage. Well, yeah, that spite. That's the spite I'm happy for. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know those kind of things. You know, I think anybody needs to have those. Uh, those like they they. Y- it's cliche, like right. All your failures aren't failures. They're just it's just learning, Lessons right? Lessons learned, yeah. So, you know, learning, learning my worth, and that's one thing that I think me and Juan were talking about this. A lot of people, when I talk about paint, I'm sure it it's off putting to a lot of people because it comes off very arrogant and whatnot. And people might think that I think I'm the best painter there is, and I do not think that. But I know I'm the best at what I do, like what I do. And I know that if I can sell a paint job for $10,000, then I fucking will. And just because you can't afford a paint job for $10,000 doesn't make me a piece of shit. Nope. So fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that bullshit. You know what I mean? Right, right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to maximize what I'm capable of doing and what I'm capable of making. And, you know, when I started in this stuff and I was painting all the homie shit in the garage and just for fucking a, a 12 pack of Dr. Pepper and a good time. <laughs> that was cool. But I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a, a mortgage. I didn't have all this shit. I didn't care about my credit score, dude. Right. None of that shit. It was just about that. Now I have all this response. I'm 40 years old, dude. I can't, you know, like a mistake in your forties versus a mistake in your twenties is detrimental, man. Oh my, it fucking changes everything. So, you know, with that being said, like I have to make sure that I spend my time wisely maximizing the most profitability I can make to continue to do stuff. My podcast makes money, but it does not make enough money to cover every aspect of my life. So 
but it takes up a lot of time in my life. Therefore, I need to make a mu- as much money painting stuff as I can to cover the cost of doing this, right? Yeah. And the other thing is that, like, all the other painters that I fuck with and I'm friends with, they charge what I charge. Schultz, Valley Customs, Jeremy Lucky Strike, all these bad motherfuckers across the country charge what I charge. The new guys coming up, you know, which I have no problem mentoring and helping them out with all the knowledge that I have. But when they tend to talk about me, like, oh, this, who does this guy think he is? Like, just because, you know, he's who he is, he can charge. Like, no, 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 look. That's pretty audacious. A lot of people are like that, though. You know, because pain is one of those things where you're, you're, you're hustled all the time, right? If you're a painter, then you're something that people want. You know, oh, man, I'm going to be that dude's friend. He's going to hook me up. Mm-hmm. Half mm-hmm. of my life has been trying to decide if the people around me are real or they want something, mm-hmm. right? And it's funny, right? Who Pain is not detrimental to your existence, right? But it's a want, and it's a want that, that gets people a lot of attention, and it gives people that, that validation that they want through having a cool motorcycle, right? So, yeah, people want that, and especially if they see you with it. You know, here I am, a broke-ass kid with a badass painted bike, and here you are with all your shit together, but you can't really afford a paint job. But you felt like you deserve to have that because of your life that you have, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, with the young guys, that, like, they just need to understand that, like, I'm trying to set a goal for you to try to achieve and get to. And I don't think that it's something that um, happens overnight. And I think that if you get it overnight, it's like, what's that thing where, you know, they say if if you blow up too quick, then you just fizzle out. You know what I'm saying? It's a long journey to get to the top of any industry that you're in. 10,000 hours, right? Yep. To master your craft. I felt like I deserved to be at the top two years in. At that time. Right. Fuck no, I wasn't. I did not deserve to be there at all. I didn't put in the time. I wasn't good enough. I was just good enough for my circle that I was in because they were pumping me up, making me feel like I was the best shit in the world, which I appreciate. But that also made me way more cocky than I should have been at that age. Right? Yeah. Now, I am cocky about it, and I deserve to be because I'm (laughs) fucking good at what I do. Right. right? I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm not saying that that I'll kill anybody in this game with paint. I'm not saying that. There's so many. I can name a thousand painters that are better than me at certain parts, if not everything. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm confident what I do and I know what I'm capable of and I know what it's worth. Mm. So, so I, my best friend, Zach, Rude Paint, got married this weekend. That's the guy that whose wedding I was in. And I've watched that dude start from nothing. And he, he's in that interim, right? Like he's got some, he's got some credibility. He's getting some hype. But he also isn't that as confident, so I gotta gas him up. Yeah, because he he thinks everything he does is a piece of shit until like he sees people around it and like, damn, that's really good. But then he'll still pick it apart. But then he'll comment. So he he really he's still finding his own his true identity, right? Like yeah. what makes a fast life paint job a paint job? What makes a Schultz paint job a paint job? He's got to find what what makes a rude paint. And then honestly, it's gonna be being loud. That's what he likes. So he's carving that out. But he's also seeing all these other people that he's inspired to start doing their own thing. And it's like they're nowhere near where he is or where anybody else is, but they're trying to charge what he's charging. He's like, well, you got yeah. to, to me personally, yeah. he'll be like, dude, you got to put in their fucking time, bro. You can't be like polishing turds and charging what I charge. And then at the same time, there's, or they're charging more. And he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, OG told me a long time ago, it's like, you're never going to get down the street if you stop and 
bark back at every dog that barks at you. You know what I'm saying? Hundred plus. Yeah. So it's like Where's one of those fucking buzzer now. <laughs> you don't get a buzzer at it. Damn, I, mean, I like shit, that one. Shit. I'm taking that. I so told you that shit a thousand times. <laughs> I told you he's he petty. been done did that. <laughs> <laughs> so I I would say like. Now I'm on a podcast. I have a platform where I speak and people, you know, some people listen to it, right? So, but when I was coming up in this thing, like, mm. the louder that I was, the more it pushed people away. Because realistically, most people don't give a fuck about what people have to say, right? right. Um, and if somebody's doing something whether that I think it's good or bad or whatever the case may be, like, what is my fucking opinion? Like, wh- what is it, right? It's exactly If that. somebody, people that, that, that don't follow a natural course of growth... They might get lucky with a couple good, high-paying jobs because they they kind of worked it, but ultimately the work always speaks for it, right? So if they are produ- producing good work and it is clean and the customers are happy and they paid more, then motherfucker, you figured it out, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you don't, the nature will correct itself in that. You'll see people fizzle out. On, you see it all the time on the internet. They oh yeah. do a couple bad paint jobs, um, and they they fizzle out. It just it, it sucks and it's unfortunate, but that's growing pains, man. And it's growing pains nowadays when, you know, back in the day when I started this shit, you did a pad paint job. It just circled the bike nights. Now it's all over the fucking internet. The world. So I don't envy these people, but I always tell them, as like, I've always said, like, I want to give, you know, like Paint Huff for a lot of people, they do classes on teach people how to paint. I want to teach people how to fucking operate business because I'm one of the more successful painters in this industry that makes good money, that has a good reputation for what I've produced. I don't, like, I'm honest. I'm open people. I tell them what's going on. They they send me, hey, I need you to do this. I'm like, I can't do it till October. Oh, man, can you do it now? No. Oh, okay. Well, I want to get on the books for October. Cool. Most people would be like, okay, well, I, I don't know if I have work in October. I'll take it now, and then I'll figure it out. And then they can't figure it out yeah. because they got a wife, and they got kids, and they got this, and they don't have enough time in the day to do this all at the quality they need to do it at, mm. right? And they overbook themselves. And they overbook themselves, and they put themselves in bad spots where it's us or them, and it's always going to be them. Yep. In any industry, it's always going to be the other person. So don't put yourself in a position where you have to do that mm. because then you get a bad reputation, right? And then now you have to fix what you did or move to another city <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or rebrand or some shit like right. that, right? There's just a lot to it, man. It's it's not easy to do something creative, and being a creative person is very, very vulnerable. Like you're you're on an emotional roller coaster, which is something I like to say that I got from Jeremy at Lucky Strike. It's like every paint job, you're at the bottom. You're emotionally like unsure of yourself and your abilities, and if this is going to come out good. And as you get closer to the finish in it, you're rising up that roller coaster, man. And at the top, when you finally see it, and you're like, "Fuck, this is sick," you're fucking on cloud nine. It's a it's a super high and a super low, and it's it's very difficult for artists to be that way. And I think that's all artists, musically, uh, video uh, people, painting people, anybody creating things goes through the emotional roller coaster of that, right? Is mm-hmm. it, am I any good? Yeah, am I as good as constantly questioning? I mean, yeah. I I constantly question myself with that. Like same, you know. And it's just a it, it's just the more you become familiar with the processes, the more that you get through them easier. Mm. Yeah. It's like repetition. It's like, you know, a lot of I- it's a lot of anxiety is what it is, right? And I think that in order to maintain and get through these things, you have to be comfortable in that anxiety. You have to know that it exists and you have to know that you have the skills to get through it 
to the next side of it, right? But people that avoid anxiety and stress all the time because they don't like how it feels, they never achieve anything. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Yeah. Like and and then quite frankly, I don't want to hear you complain about it. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I am Take a the fucking risk. master complainer. Master. I could put a master class on complaining because I love it. Yeah, but you also do the things. Yeah, I, complaining is me is like a is a process that I do in order for me to psych myself up to go ahead and do the shit. I'm the same way, you know. But yeah, complaining. I, I mean, don't sit in your own shit. Yeah, yeah. I just do it, sprain my ankle, and just get back the fuck <laughs> up. Just keep going. <laughs> you gotta. I, that was another thing I wanted to bring you on to talk about is like, what? How do you get to? Because you've done it so many times now. How do you get to that jumping off point and push yourself? What like when it came to starting the Fast Life Garage on your own? Because uh, what we get a lot of is people being like, well, how do I do You just fucking do it, bro. I don't know. Okay, yeah. It was kind of what we were talking about earlier before you showed up. Um, there's two There's two sides of it, right? There's two ways I think that a lot of the things that I have were created. One of them was created out of necessity. Like, you know, it's like the whole John Wayne throwing the kid in the pool to, s- to, to swim, right? I think it was John Wayne. Uh-huh. It sounds like my grandmother. Yeah. That's how I learned how to swim. Yeah, that's how I learned how to swim. So Cape there's Cod. that. <laughs> and and so when I started the Fast Life Garage off of Live Fast, which was my company before, it was because I lost it all and all I knew how to do was this. You know, I couldn't, you know, <laughs> I was making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year at, at this company that I had started and then just went, you know, it just fell apart through, you know, creative differences, if you will. And here I am now. Everything that I had, my shop, everything was now theirs, and I lost it through ignorance and other, and and uh, all on me, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, fuck, I don't even think I can get a job at AutoZone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm valued. Like, I'm only valuable in this one thing I know how to do. Mm. You know, I, like I knew that I had to figure something out, and then Fast Life was spiteful on Live Fast, right? And Man, honestly, there's a couple key things that happened. I think I talked about it. Might, might have talked about it in the last podcast we did. But when the, the internet saw what happened to our brand, and the internet, meaning all the other people in the country, asked me to start going to their place to paint, it just changed my perspective on business. As before, I was thinking about Dallas-Fort Worth. Like, how do I get everybody in Dallas-Fort Worth to come to me to get paint work? And then this happened. I'm like, Fuck Dallas Fort Worth. Mm. How do I get everybody in America to come uh, to me? Yeah, yeah. Right? I want a fool in Abu Dhabi to hit me up for a paint job yeah. on a bike he'll never ride. <laughs> because when you find people outside of your hometown, th- this is another one. You might like this one. I've been working on it. I'm still working on my, my, my delivery. But I feel like if you ever want to reinvent yourself, you can't do it around people that already know you from who you were. Right? Yeah. So when you Too soon. Too soon. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't it. He didn't deliver the line. Oh, well, I, I thought it was. <laughs> I just want you, right now, eyeballs, I want you to enjoy sitting in this chair because it will never happen again. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> you thought I was going to hit the button right there, huh? The, uh, <laughs> that's one thing I've realized is that it's really really hard to elevate yourself. You know, in, in regards to, like, what I do is paint, right? I've already painted bikes for people in Dallas, and they're used to paying – 1500 bucks for a paint job. Mm. How the fuck am I going to ever charge them five grand? They're already used to who th- I was. They're never going to value me the same, like, as the guy that they're willing to pay f- five grand for, right? Uh, 300% more than what I, what I charged them originally. So 
I got to find a new market and I have to come into that market as the person I am going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I find it hard that, you know, if you really want to become something new or say, for instance, if you're trying to become sober, you're trying to change your life, being around that same crowd, it really resonates. Like, how do you fucking change your life if you're doing the same shit? It, it's the same thing. I just regurgitated the words. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, you know, get to a point. And I remember going to NorCal and painting with one of my boys up there and I went up there cheap as fuck. Like, yeah, dude, I'll do all this for 1500 bucks. He goes, dude, ask three. Like, bro, everybody around here is doing it for five. Like, you're if if you're willing to do it for fifteen, then you're gonna be stoked at three grand. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I will be. <laughs> and then even now, like that confidence that he gave me allowed me to start carrying myself a little bit more confident, which it's funny how when you carry yourself with confidence, it pushes people away who are threatened by it in a sense of like, I can't get over on this guy. And the people that respect it end up becoming your new customers because they respect you as a person and your craft. Yeah, right? they don't know any other way. Yeah, they're like, oh, man, I, I, this dude stand up. He, he, he take, he's carrying himself in a way that makes me confident that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, right? Yeah. If you're unsure about yourself, then you're they're going to make the customer feel like they're unsure that you can create what you're promising them that you can do. Or I can push up on this guy. Exactly. I can get over on him. I can make some money on him or – I can get something really cool and, you know, not have to pay I'll a lot of money. Add, yeah, I'll keep adding to it. And then that's the other other part of that is you go, for your, your situation, for instance, you go to NorCal, you start charging three grand, you start charging five grand. Then everybody in Dallas-Fort Worth is like, oh, fuck, Jace is painting fucking a fuck ton of bikes and he's charging more. Yeah. Now you're the five grand guy. Then you become the ten grand guy. Yeah. But you, you can't, you couldn't have done that staying in that ecosystem. Mm -mm. You got to get out and you got to get, you got to broaden your horizon, horizon and you got to, it's a lot of work to grow in this industry. If you think that just being on Instagram is going to do it, then you're fucking wrong because no. you have to make relationships. You got to be at Sturgis, at Born Free, at Arizona Bike Week, at all these events. You have to be there. And you have to be there for a long time. It's I just like to uh, equate it to you're planting a fucking huge garden and you never know what's going to sprout, but you know that you got a lot of food in there, right? You got seeds planted. And some of it never grows, but some of it might grow and turn into like fucking tree that sprouts a lot of shit off of it you know what i'm saying right so you just never know you know what i mean and so that's one way i think that like starting something or getting you know you're, you're forced into it you know you just got to fucking do it right and that's that's a good way to do i mean it's a good way to kind of go at it but I'm, I'm a little older now i'm 40 years old this happened whenever i was 30 so 10 years ago just over 10 years ago actually 20 is this 2023 yep 10 years ago in this fucking month, right now, damn, is when I sold my shares away from my company of Livefast. Of Livefast, right now, damn, dude. Because mm. I remember my first cover magazine came out July fourth. Oh, damn, with, dude. With the bike that I built and painted at this company that just gave all the advertisement to them, mm. dude. Wow. So, 2013, June mm. of 2013. Yeah, I was two months. Post being locked up for the longest I'd ever been. I did nine months fighting a case, beat it, got out, and I was like, in June I had oh I had I had stayed sober out of jail, and then Cinco de Mayo I started drinking again, uh -huh. and I got that the night of Cinco de Mayo 2013 I got fucking shit house and started two fights in two different bars. Wow, yeah, and somehow made it home, but fucking two months later I moved out here, oh, and okay. if I look at my life, and I've been out here ever since. If I look at my life from ten years ago, holy. Fuck, dude. Yeah. It's crazy.
It's crazy. And now I'm like, and I'm, I turned 33 on the 12th, and I'm like, fuck, dude. I remember, man. Still can't keep a room clean. <laughs> Still can't. I, you know, now that I'm thinking about this 10-year kind <laughs> of uh, piece, I, it, I had signed a lease on a loft in downtown Dallas. I had always wanted Baller that. spot. Yeah. It was, I mean, it wasn't that expensive, but it was just, it was, it was cool without the amenities that most people wanted. It was a big open space that was bricks and had fucking a view and no chick could resist having sex with me in there. <laughs> straight up. That's right. And that's what took place there at first until I met my wife. That's right. <laughs> Don't get married. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like being in there. Um, so I signed the lease or I, I put the deposit down and I was moving into this and simultaneously just lost my business and my income. And all my business and name was still going to my old brand, right? So I had to reinvent myself. I remember I was hustling, dude, hustling. Fucking, you know, I, I knew a lot of body shops, so I just went back and did what I did back in 2006 and walked into a shop and said, hey, man, my name's Jace. Uh, I can, you know, I can airbrush and custom paint, do flames, all this stuff. If you ever have any kind of jobs you want to do here, I can, you know, hit me up. Some people did. And then whenever it was super so, I, I'd do the same thing. Like, hey, man, I'm Jace. I can polish and buff cars and it sucks because i'd go in there and do the airbrush work and make a hundred dollars an hour and then i go buff cars i make 15 dollars an hour mm. and spend the same time and i might walk away with 500 bucks one day and 55 bucks the other day it sucked yeah right but then doing that stay consistent post using social media because this is right whenever i started busting out so social media on my personal page fast life jays and you know I remember borrowing money, like, to just, like, 20 bucks from my grandfather just to get through the week, right? Ten years ago today, Fuck. you know? And, you know, it's it's kind of an epiphany now just sitting here remembering that because I haven't really thought about it like that. In ten years, I went from losing my brand to building this one that I have now all on my own with the help of my friends and my wife and the people that support me, of course, and started this podcast five years ago, uh, met my wife. Four months after this thing took place. September. I well, I reached out to her on Instagram in December. Shot in them DMs. I, right when Instagram started doing DMs. They didn't do DMs didn't. at first. It was just comments. It was just comments. Like, what up, girl? I No, I hit her with a meme. <laughs> yeah. Ah. yeah. Been, there we go. <laughs> I've been putting my boy on game. He's, he's getting back in the fight. And oh, yeah. uh, on the Tinder, I was like, bro. Lead with the gif. Lead, Lead with, the, with gif. the gif. We're we're here for the last. So we get them laughing. Come on, it worked, baby. And you know what simultaneously happened is it was a six. It was a tough six months. I I, I got through it. Fortunately, someone like like I had a big wool bagger. It was dialed in, and someone like backed into it in a, in a gas station parking lot and drove off. And I had full coverage, and it was on video, so nothing looked wi- weird. Of course, the car had paper tags that didn't you know go anything. That's why they drove off. But I got a check from there, a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> and that sustained me for like three or four months, you mm. know, while I was still hustling and making That gave you sh- that jump. Yeah, it helped me out because yeah, obviously yeah. I fixed everything on my own accord because of pain and whatnot. Right, right. Um, but that helped me through it. And then in December, I got reached out from a, a company in in uh, North Carolina to sketch paint jobs for their painters. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it for, you know, 200 bucks a sketch. I'll do it. And bam, I'm just sitting there in my loft drawing shit. Making, you know, some money, right? Five a day, baby. Yeah. Paying the bills. And then next thing you know, he's like, man, I don't think they can do this. Uh, I got these two really high-end bikes that we're about to do. Can I just fly you out? And this is the first time I ever flew out. And I didn't make that much money. Three weeks, I made three grand, right? 
That's pretty good. Well, not not for your caliber then, of work. Then it was fucking right. the world, right? Because it gave me enough money to come home, fly my fly myself to go meet my wife in Florida, come home, yeah. and then still fly her to move to Texas, right? So yeah. it allowed me to do that, which I'm grateful for. And then, of course, four months later in May is whenever I went to NorCal first. And that's whenever I started to take myself more seriously as an artist. Um, instead of doing a lot of work, I started focusing more on doing quality work. That was the seed. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, the w- we were talking about, Rafa and I were talking about when we first got in here was, um, like, uh, I understand how to do things now. I understand how I operate. I understand, like, how I grow, right? When I started the podcast, originally, it was uh, it was cringe. You know, like, myself, I wasn't still not the best at a lot of things I do, but I'm better than I was, right? And I know that by doing 300-plus episodes – that I have gotten better, my content has gotten better, and the experience listening or watching my podcast has gotten better. Mm. Well, that's the same mentality that I'm trying to take into YouTube. I'm not good at that yet, and I don't feel good at it yet, but I'm forcing myself to be vulnerable, to put it out there, and to take whatever positive comments out there and use that as fucking you know fuel to go and create the next video. And I, I, I got a fucking dope life, man. I really do. And if I just... I just don't want to exploit it in a way that's uh, that's uh, pretentious, you know. Yeah. I want to show people that I'm grateful for it, but I also earned it. You know, that's the that's the hard thing, mm-hmm. right? It is a balance. People think because we sell T-shirts, we're fucking rich. It's yeah. like This is a labor of love right yeah. now. But if I keep fucking, if I remain authentic, and I I never got into doing this with the boys for fucking money. Like yeah. I didn't think we were gonna get rich over this. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, I feel like it's grown how it has. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of things don't start for money. I didn't start the podcast for money, but I did hope that one day it would make money. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I didn't start custom painting originally for money, but I intended on making money doing custom paint. So it's like that's the one thing I was talking about earlier where I feel like people, they want you to not want money. Mm. And why? Why do they not want – why do they not want you to charge more – Three years after you painted their bike originally, why do they want it to be the same price? But yet, at their job, they want a cost of living raise every year, every six months. They want another, you know, 15 cents or $2 or whatever the case may be. So, it's like when you start getting around people, when your customers become people who want you to make more money, who want you to succeed, that only helps further the confidence. And that's what I have right now. I have a customer base that is my biggest supporters, right? They, they're rich, straight up. They're rich. I mean, they're fucking rich, dude. Them oil field boys, huh? I mean, I don't know what they do. And I don't <laughs> care what they do. They're good people. They, they pay on the first and the 15th player. Good people, man. And Are you still picking the paint jobs you want to do now? Oh, yeah. Always. That's fucking awesome. And so, but you know, it's not even so much that they're rich. It's just that they, they, they have a respect for me, and they treat me not like the help, right, right? right? They treat me like I'm equal to them, even though they make way more money than I do. They respect what I'm good at that they're not good at. Mm-hmm. And, man, it just, once again, it's another thing that just really helps my confidence, and it probably comes off as arrogance to certain people, but they just don't understand all these different things and where I was and, and how I've grown and built myself up through friendships, uh, business relationships, and hustling to be here, to be, you know, not going to lie. I mean, sometimes – like the way I'm talking about myself is also so that I don't put myself in a very negative mind space about myself. Mm. So I have to be like, yo man, I'm fucking, I'm not doing shit for fucking 
1500 bucks. You know, my helmet started three grand, so let's go. Yeah. That's super cocky and arrogant. But it ain't fucking false. Yeah. And it <laughs> didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen overnight. I remember painting $200 helmets and $150 helmets. And I hear helmets suck. They do. But, you know, when you fucking get the right money for it and you and your customers make you fucking proud to do that for them and people are buying your art, not your fucking materialistic, materialistic stuff, man, as a painter, fuck, dude, it's a great place to be. When you're paint, when you paint a bike for somebody uh, on an FXR, and instead of them just repainting it, they're like, "Hey, man, I want to go a different direction this year, but I want somebody to have this paint job. I don't want to paint over it. Anybody want to trade tins? You know what I mean? That's 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 a customer or somebody out there showing respect to the art that you created. If someone's willing to pay you ten grand to paint a bike and just paint right over it, they never valued your art. No." It was never about art. It was about them having the coolest exhaust, the coolest paint job, which is just another thing on a shelf to them, mm-hmm. right? But paint is the only fucking thing that's handmade on a bike these days. Yeah. Right? It's the only thing that's not on a shelf that's being recreated by someone's hands with fucking things in cans, liquid. <laughs> and it's like the world, the industry just doesn't even, like, the, it's, paint is such a common thing in the world through collision centers and everything on the wall that nobody thinks about paint as a complicated thing to do, right? And so I think that a lot of painters are undervalued and whatnot, and that's hence why, you know, when I did a podcast on this trip, man, the first one I did was an OG painter up in Amarillo. Dude's got more covers of magazines from, like, the 90s to now than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Said he's never made more than $5,000 to paint a bike in his whole life. Wow. Damn. And I'm just like, why? And he's like, I just didn't have the confidence to ask for it essentially is what it boiled down to right and i'm just like bro like <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna have some golden years here i mean he's an older man now he's i mean right. he's kind of i wouldn't say he's dated he's still fucking super talented right but right. i just man like i don't know man like how do you how i mean he's nationwide known as this how do you how do you change the way people think you are if the whole country knows you as this guy that does it for whatever you know well, he takes a relationship like the one he has with you, and he says, hey, I want to paint somebody's fucking, I want to get out there and re- rebrand, well, re-facilitate. Uh, re- well, what a lot of people might look at that as and go, well, you know, this dude is, you know, everybody likes that idea, the romantic idea of the biker people that are working on each other's bikes in the garage and doing stuff. And that exists even in my life today. I still enjoy that as well. But like I've said to so many people, if you want to come to the garage and hang out, change your oil, we'll throw some bars on your bike, you know, put a fucking quarter fairing on, you know, do do the meme thing, right? <laughs> That's easy. That's a night having a couple beers or whatever, just laughing, having a good time. If you want me to spend 40 hours of my life painting your bike because we're boys, you're not my fucking friend. For free? 40 fucking hours? I don't have vacation time. Right. right? right I don't right. have 401k. I don't have all this shit. So I can't sit there. If I take 40 hours off to go do this, I had to bust my ass times two to make sure I can cover everything in life to be gone. Right, right. And it's like, I always said this, like, if I sold products, like if I had a wall full of risers and bars, right, that doesn't take shit to hand you that riser and give it to you for what I got in it. Like, yeah, it cost me, you know, these risers go for 500 bucks. Each one cost me 300 bucks. You're my boy. 300 bucks, just cover the cost. Yeah. Everybody's like, that dude took care of me, right? If I spend four weeks painting your bagger and I'm charging $12,000 is what I charge to do that, 
and I cut four thousand dollars off of that. That's and, the hookup. And you're still like, yo, man, like, you know. <sighs> People but that it's the same shit you talked about last time, right? Same dude who will put fucking ten grand into a stereo system, but wants to fucking cut corners on his paint. Yeah, and I mean, I, let, me, let me be clear. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I haven't had this issue. I don't think you have. I haven't had this you issue. This is just thirty dudes around. This is just something that I did have growing up that mm-hmm. I that I realized real quick, and then you know it goes to what I said earlier. Like, I have a lot of responsibilities, and forty hours of work is a lot of time off, and yeah. I have a lot. My my life is ex- it's not as expensive as it is out here, but you know. Things cost money out there. My shop costs money. The yeah. the rent costs the the electricity. The everything the product, everything the costs money. So, like, just because you're not there doesn't mean that the shit don't cost money. Like yeah, well, it's yeah. not. How do I word this? It's it's uh. It, I always said this, and my buddy King Tony was joking because I said on a podcast once. He goes, "I'll take off work and come hang out with you." I always just say like, "You take off work for two weeks and come hang out with me while I paint your bike for free." You know what I mean? That way you can, but if you're willing to take off the time not to, because you can not, you don't need to make the money, so you can just take the time off, then why not just fucking pay me? Right. Right. You know, so if, I'm not saying, hey, take your vacation time. I'm saying, don't make a fucking dime for two weeks and come hang out the shop for that free paint job, because I'm not making shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you can financially do that, then why not just pay the person? Right. Right. Pay me that two weeks worth of money. If you're making twelve grand in two weeks, I don't. I, we shouldn't even be having this goddamn conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not so much that. It's it's like it's the cost of everything, man. It's like it's for me. It's like if I charge twelve thousand dollars to paint a, paint a bagger, I'm not making twelve thousand dollars in my pocket. No. That is the cost of doing everything, right? That's, you know, I don't. I can do every aspect of the paint job, but if I do every aspect of the paint job, then other aspects of my life get. I don't have time for it. I don't have time to do the podcast. I don't have time to do all this. Because I have to do that. So I have to pay someone to come in and polish the bike. I usually pay someone to come in and sand the bike. Really? If I'm capable of making doing a helmet all by myself in three or four days and making three grand, but I spend two days sanding a bike, that is stupid. You know what I'm saying? That's where my homie's getting fucking caught up. He's like, I got to sand it. I got to. And like what people don't know, the cut and buff. Yeah. Like that's a day, two days, sometimes yeah. longer. And if you burn, if you like, you burn through the clear coat, like. Homie, yeah. you got to go fucking back. Yeah. You're going back three days. Like, that's so a huge fucking piece of it. There's just a lot of lot of going on there. And not even to mention, like, I take a lot of pride in the designs that I put on bikes. So I spend hours in my garage sketching, you know, till I'm fucking stoked about it. And then I send you, dude, dude I'm got to convince you to let me do this now. But I'm like, dude, just trust me. This is going to be sick. I see it all. You know, I might not be able to make you see it all. But trust me, if you like what I do, then this is going to be it. But it's just a lot of work, man. And it's I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm I'm really trying not to. I just I wish people understood that like the difference between what hooking things up are, right? It's different when you have a connection and it doesn't take you any time to help somebody out, which I do that all the time. I do Effortless. that all the time. Because it's nothing, right? But when you're asking for forty fucking hours of my life for free, that's when you're being an asshole. Mm. Thousand percent. You know what I mean? That's when you're not valuing the fact that I'm a human too that has responsibilities, that has a wife, has kids, you know, has needs, all that shit. And more importantly, there's another guy who's willing to pay me to yeah. do that. You know what I mean? Like it I get I get that I get that all the time with like meal preps. Oh yeah. Bro, like, you know, first off, my meal preps are like nine dollars a meal. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like right now in this market, like that's fucking. It's, it's really cheap. Fu- it's really fucking good. It's twelve dollars for a fucking Big Mac combo, right? Yeah, right. It's really affordable and everything like that. And then I'll get guys that be like, "Well, you know, that's a little little pricey." I was like, five meals a week for forty five dollars is pricey, and you want me to hook you up on top of that?" Yeah, you know, when I have customers that there's this one lady, she literally gets ten meals. She, like, doesn't care what it is. She just wants extra protein, extra veg, and she shoots me $20 a meal. Damn. She's like. That's the thing is there's people that out there. <laughs> it's it's, the, it's yeah. the whole thing. Like, I, I hope to, and I, I said this on the last part, I hope to be at that point in life where I can do more to help people out. Right. You know what I mean? Financially, it'd be dope to be able to see, you know, an up-and-coming stunt rider or an up-and-coming builder that I can, like, you know, do something on a financial thing or somebody race and I can paint a helmet for them for free and put it on their head. I don't I don't need help selling more helmet paint jobs, mm-hmm. but there's certain people that I want my work to be on because I appreciate what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just not at a point to do that. I don't have time. Right. Time, time, time is the one thing that, that That's painting... That's expensive. <laughs> time yeah. is expensive as fuck. Time, like, people just... When you're young... You know, my, my, my dude Joe Kidd always said it best. So when you're, what, how do you say it? You got the, when you're young, you got the time, but you don't have the money, mm. right? That's why you can't ride. That's why you can't do everything. When right. you get old, you got the money, but you ain't got the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like the hard thing with like a lot of things that we do. It's like now I don't really have the money and I don't have the time either. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not poor and I'm, I'm not struggling, <laughs> right? But I'm not like. You know, all the kids that I went to high school with, they're not kids now, obviously, but the people I went to high school with, they're on their second or third house. I don't own a house, you know. I have a fucking, you know, $500 a month car payment, you know. I don't have a brand new Tahoe. I don't have, you know what I mean? There's so many people that, that, that do that, right? I live away so that I can do what I do. I live away so I can be here right now, mm. right? I live cheap. I I. You know, all of my bills in my house and whatnot don't add up to much. But if I paint more bikes, I have more bills. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because materials cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if I paint more bikes, I have to buy more materials. Therefore, there's more money going out than in. Yeah. Than in. So it's that's why I have to make I have to charge twelve grand. Otherwise, you know, there's times when I'm I have five six thousand dollar paint bills in a month. Mm-hmm. And if that's if I only made ten thousand dollars off doing paint jobs that month. That fucking makes no sense. Right. You're doing more for less. Yeah. Right, right. And that was like the whole conversation that we had last year was that I wanted to get away from this to because I'm not getting any of this time back and I want to be fucking happy with the time that I got here. Uh-huh. And I'm getting that now. And I'm uh, we were talking about it earlier, like I fucking um gotta figure it out the bills are getting paid, but it's also like I'm having another kid. I, I just want to be happy. I could yeah. I've had I've touched hundred K a year and it didn't make me any fucking happier. And I had no fucking time. I was still missing everything. Yeah. I was missing the baby showers. I was missing the fucking weddings. I was missing I was missing all of that. Sounds like all the shit I would want to miss. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. I, and now I'm getting to fucking enjoy my fucking Too late. time. Yeah. Well, oh um, I was going to say this. Uh, fuck. I had it. I had it. I had it. I lost it. That's what she goes. Well, I mean, like, you, I mean, you, um, you, you started off with the painting and everything like that. Yeah. And then, like, you started, like, now you're you're slowly moving into doing the social media and uh, YouTube and, yeah. and that kind of um, stuff. And I think that was what I was going to say, something like that. Hold on. Okay, so this is this is what it is. 
So painting has been my main source of income since 2004, right? Right. And in order to build the podcast, I have to put in 40 plus hours a week on most ends to make the podcast something good, mm-hmm. right? That's not so much like I'm on a podcast like n- right now for 40 hours. Obviously, it's all the behind the scenes shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I have, a, I have a full-time job with a podcast and a full-time job with paint. And the only way to transition from one career to the next successfully is you have to work two full-time jobs. Exactly. Because you have to put enough effort and time into this one to grow it while still maintaining the financial needs that you need from this side to fund it. Right? Facts. So for the last five years, I've been burning the candle on both ends, for lack of a better term, to build this podcast up and myself in that space to be good at it, to be valuable enough to trust that I can make the money I need to survive off doing a podcast. And it's just like, it's not just like the money I need to pay the bills. It's the money I need to create more content. That's the thing that, that people don't understand. I need to be able to go to this place to do a podcast or bring this guy to me to do a podcast Mm -hmm. or ride a bike so I can stay relevant into having a conversation to have with somebody that does this. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm never going to quit painting because I need that connection to, to to that industry. To my craft. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, it's a creative outlet that I enjoy. But, you know, the the thing is, that it's not like one day I just, like, decide to turn the paint switch off and then the podcast switch on and it, everything's smooth. It's been five years mm-hmm. of ups and downs, doubting myself, um, thinking about all the time I've spent away from my wife, from my kids, all the fucking super drunk podcasts that I fucking wish I never said that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that shit. And... You just, you know, the next morning, super hungover, you wake up, you're like, fuck, man, why am I di- why am I doing this? Mm. Yeah. You know, it's not so much the drinking that I was worried about. I mean, the drinking had, I, I've cut back a lot just because it was fun at first, but now it's it's just not the way I want the world to remember me. I mean, right, if I right. died on this trip, I don't want the last podcast of me being fucking super hammered on whiskey, <laughs> you know. You know what fucking I don't like? <laughs> Let me tell y'all something. Let me give you my uh, unadulterated opinion. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. super uneducated, I might add. There's yeah. people. There's we have an audience that there's a there's a big group of people that l- enjoy those podcasts for some fucking reason. Because there's sick fucks out there. There's a bunch <laughs> of these guys fucks. running around out there. <laughs> um, I think they enjoy the friendship that like the camaraderie that comes of like sitting yeah. around a table sharing a few beers and and Shooting just talking shit, shit but. The legacy content, in my opinion, is finding those great conversations like this or sharing someone's origin story. Those are the ones that I think that are going to more or less people will remember our podcast through. People will gain the most value through that, you know, coherent conversations about, you know, people's lives and and how that that can resonate into those listeners' lives, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to do more of that. But then I'm also a dude that wants to have fun. So I, I want a balance of like, look. It's like Joe Rogan does it. He'll he'll do it. Bring the people on that to 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 neuroscientists. Yeah, and then protect our parks, dude. Yeah. Let's fucking go, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, here's a quarter ounce of mushrooms. Everybody take a handful. Yeah, <laughs> and then let's see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I I think that it's important to, for at least for me and and in my world, is to kind of balance it out with that, but to be more mindful of that. You know, if somebody's coming on the podcast that I've never interviewed, and this is something more of an origin story, it's not drink time. Maybe they need a drink to loosen up. Right. But it's probably not the best that we put a fucking cooler of beer on the t- on the table full of ice and the next thing you know we got a fucking mountain of jewels, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's the way it goes. It is sometimes, but you know like 
I don't I don't know. Um, and then when I was three years old, <laughs> fucking shot the finger in my ass and said everything's gonna be all right. <laughs> the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Have you noticed it? Because what I got from you is that, like on an interpersonal relationship, you're very like outspoken. You're social, whereas out and about. It's a little. You're a little bit more reserved. Have oh, you I'm very introverted. Yeah, very introverted. That's what I was. Yeah. Looking so for. that's kind of uh, me and Juan were kind of uh, talking about this last night, and it's it's um. It's weird, right? Because I know that if I want to create this space, then I have to be this person, right? Because being quiet, introverted, very soft spoken, you know. It doesn't doesn't create anything that people are gonna cons- like. It doesn't create attention towards it, right? Right. Um. And I also know that like, whatever like vibe that I put off tends to be the vibe of the room, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if I put off a more open, you know, good like I, I see it at bike night all the time. It's a small intimate bike night. So if I come to bike night sometimes and I'm super quiet, kind of looking like I'm pissed off, unapproachable, then it kind of becomes a vibe like that. Yes, Jaden's the same way. If Jaden comes to bike night and has that kind of vibe because he's a, a lot of people know who he is, it it transcends into the rest of the energy in the room. So I've I understand that like if I want to create a good show, then I have to put on, you know, the the smile later create face <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And be that guy. And you know, doing this YouTube stuff is like one of those things where I'm I'm you know, force myself to be more that way, right? Yeah. Um and I and just growing up, I've I've learned that learning how to communicate better is what really creates opportunities. Right. Learning how to speak up, but in a way that doesn't push people away, but it it just makes people more like learning to communicate is probably one of the most important things. Like learning to say what you think, what you want, what you need. Uh, it probably would help in everybody's marriage or relationships. It would probably. help in everybody's business side of things, friendships. You know, like knowing how to express your feelings without necessarily putting blame on other people or 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 healthy communication. Yeah, communication. Right. It's like you know, like so much of that, right? And yeah. I, I'm, I think we're all a student in life the entire time to learn that. And it's like yeah. we finally figured out when we're 67 and we can't even speak good anymore. You know, what <laughs> what <I mean>? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Because like, because like when I when like when it comes down to like being introverted and stuff like that that's me all day like yeah when in, in like a small intimate environment like i'm cool i could talk to everybody yeah. you know i think most cool. of us are that way yeah but like when we're doing like rides and shit this fool is over there just smash just loud as fuck fucking dustin just i don't know like dustin just has like a gravitational pull where people just want to hang out around him and he doesn't feel like i think know, it's like attractive people, i think when you do it healthy, like you, yeah. I mean, there's the energetic person at that Seven Eleven earlier, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's I don't really want to be around that person. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you're when you're sur- when you are someone that like that that kind of energy, right? For me, I like when someone else has that energy because that means that I don't have to entertain people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And because I'm one of those dudes, like if I'm in a room and it seems like everybody's chill, I'm like, okay, well, it's up to me to make sure everybody's happy here. Right. Right. Yeah. And. I, that's definitely not an introverted characteristic, mm-hmm. but if you were to ask people in my family about me, I'm quiet. I go to family events. I don't say shit. I'm right. back. Yeah, doing my thing. I'm yeah. just not there. I, and and part of me feels like a. I just don't know. I don't want to say anything that that you know it's might gonna, yeah it might say something and you know what I'm saying that might cause some yeah yeah that's if I, you know I don't know it, it, I think that. I know when to follow and when to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that 
in in the same aspect of the aspects of my life where I am more of a leader, I also know that I try to inspire my friends to be leaders as well so that I can, you know, we all say that, right? But if you really want to have a dynamic group of people, whether it's business, in your relationship, or in your friendships, you want a bunch of fucking doers, people that are followers, I mean leaders, right? They have leaderistic leadership characteristics, but also know when to follow as well because that's part of being a good leader, leader knowing how to follow facts you know and the only way you become a leader is by following enough people to gain the knowledge of how to carry yourself and how to carry this moment Definitely. you know riding motorcycles i've followed behind a lot of people riding motorcycles before i ever led a motorcycle mm. ride you know what i'm saying or traveling on the country or you know business i've even to this day i know when to shut the fuck up and listen and when to, you know, all right, I'm going to say what I got to say right now. You know what I mean? Yes. And it just makes you, it, like, for me, it, it just makes, like, what you have to say hit a little bit more. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, because when you sit down and you're listening, like, I'll sit down and I'll listen to a motherfucker talk all fucking day. But, like, you know, and then when I say some shit, it's just like, oh, all right, kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know? But sometimes you don't, you know, especially if you don't know a lot of people, and I guess right, this right. is the more introverted side of me is, like, I want to know. I want to know what's out here. Wh- what am I working with here? Who are these people? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, right. let them be the you know ones that put all their cards on the table first. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. And then I'll know whether or not they're worth following, or whether they're worth leading. Leading, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or yeah. leaving behind. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta leave them all fucking behind. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting dead weight, baby. But it's yeah. just. It's just, man, it's all fucking human experience, man. Right. It's what it is. It's just finding different ways to uh, to maximize everything that, that you actually want in life through your everyday actions, right? So, you know, if you want to make more money, then you got to find ways to make more money. But if you have, you're a very empathetic person, you got to find ways to do it to where you feel like you're still providing good value to someone and not, ex- like, exploiting them for only your benefit, right? Right, right. Um, and I... I I'm a very empathetic person. I'm one of those guys. Dude, I, I I was driving home from Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, and I killed a bird. I was fucked up, dude. Oh. I was like, God damn, dude. From the from K River? No, I was I was up there working. I was driving home. Oh. Having a good fucking day, too, dude. <laughs> so happy. And then I just saw this bird in the road, and I'm like, all right, flop, dude, flop. And then I just heard it hit, and I'm like, God damn it, dude. Ugh. I'm not... I know that that doesn't really talk about my empathy very much as far as, like, in the human experience, but it's that way, you know? Like, I, I just, I feel a lot, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, you know, ups and downs too, man. You yeah, know, yeah. you what's have a... Cr- what's crazy is, like, I got clean, and all of a sudden I got all these fucking feelings and emotions and shit like that. It's because your testosterone's down, it's brother. It's, like, it's <laughs> fucking crazy, dog. Are you crying on commercials too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bro, again to me, them little fucking tsunami babies and shit. Yes. Oh, what the fuck? What? <laughs> what the fuck is a tsunami baby? You know, when a tsunami hits some motherfuckers and you know, there's just babies. Yeah, there's babies just uh, making. Bro, the, you know shit. what? You know what fucking <laughs> brushes me <laughs> is the uh, welcome home videos, and there's not as many now because oh, yeah, yeah. people are going on deployment. But you see, like a little girl or a little boy see their dad or their mom Dude. who they haven't seen. Fuck me up. I guarantee you my testosterone is negative something, dude, because yeah. I can hear a song and get emotional. Yeah? Yeah, like I can just be fucking nothing going on, and then, the, like, goddamn Paradise City from Guns N' Roses come <laughs> on. And I'm like, I don't even <laughs> like this song. Why am I fucking 
<sighs> you know, why am I sucking it in right now? You know what I mean? So, like, I it's it's a weird thing. I don't know yeah. what it happens, like, whether it's just old age or whatever the case, like, things feel more. I feel more. I think it's yeah. the death of our ego. At some point, our fucking ego got crushed a little bit. Yeah, but my ego's fucking strong, dude. Yeah? My ego's got so much t- t- testosterone, <laughs> brother. <laughs> that motherfucker's 1,200T, baby. Just yeah, fucking dude. rocked up. <laughs> That the ego though that is that has been one of those uh, like more more mindful of it over the last couple of years than ever before because of all the attention that being on a podcast and just the growth of my business has had more more towards the ego to where it's like it feels good right so I'm chasing that feel I'm chasing that high of of the adulation that you get from people because they like what you're doing or whatever the notoriety the notoriety it feels good right. it's like it's society's way of saying like hey man you're doing something cool keep doing it yep but the ego is kind of like is when like you're you take the gratefulness of people's reception of what you're doing and then start making you feel like you deserve it yeah yeah you know what i mean right. and i struggle with that a lot I, i'll be honest with you i struggle with it a lot because there are a lot of things I feel like I deserve, but then there's also like the other side of me, the the constant battle of trying to be appreciative of what I've gotten, try to also be acknowledged that I earned it, which is a little bit of an ego thing, but also trying not to expect it. The expectation will kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where you develop resentments and it just fucking I, I definitely have a, you know, I am an early year, first year millennial, I think. Depending on where you ask, but I'm an 82 baby, which is technically the first year millennial, but they try to say it's 80 now. They're trying to move the yeah. move the goalposts, if you will. But there is, I do have parts of me in me that are very um, entitled, yeah. right? And I didn't grow up that way. I think that through this industry, I've developed entitlements in certain things. Um, and I, I, I hate that. It's, I'm constantly dealing with that. I'm constantly, I catch myself. In certain conversations, I catch myself on podcasts, and I'm most embarrassed when that side of me comes out. But I think the one thing that people don't realize when they listen to me on a podcast or anybody on a podcast or just when they meet anybody is that these are the kind of things that I think a lot of us struggle with, and we know it exists in us, and we're always trying to work on it, but it slips out. It It doesn't mean that's who I am as a person. It just means that I'm struggling with controlling that the same way that that dude's probably struggling with not touching little kids. You know what I'm saying? That's Very extreme, right? That's <laughs> a fuck. Can we pick a different analogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, was I, like, I was like, where the fuck that fool at? <laughs> at the same I was breath. pointing at Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Motherfucker. <laughs> no, it, well, it's like the same way you would do it. Like people deal with depression or something right, like that. Right, you right. know what I'm saying? But at the same time, those uh, that ego or that entitlement didn't just spring up out of nowhere. It came through experience of mm-hmm. like, being treated or dealt with a certain way to where we now, like, I feel like that because this motherfucker slighted me. Yeah. And who the fuck does he think he is? A lot of that, man. And it's just shit we got to work through. Yeah, and and that's what I'm doing. I mean, like, I think being self-aware is one of the most important characteristics to have as a person and to accept the fact that, like, look, I'm trying to be the best version of myself. You know, and I've never gone to therapy and things like that. I've just been fortunate to have a lot of very great mentors in my life that they didn't, they they became my mentors through friendships and through business and things like that, right? People that care about me and, and, you know, respect what I do end up taking a liking and we talk and then I gain perspective through them. So, like I said, I, I, I just, I know a lot of things about me. I see a lot of things that 
my dad is, which I'm not really cool with my dad, but I see a lot of things that he is. And when I feel myself doing that, that's when I'm most like, fuck, man, I, that's not who I want to be. Damn, dude. But I it's in me. So fucking deeply. My like, dad's a very, very entitled person. Very. He grew up rich. Um, he is the ultimate entitlement, right? And like I said, that shit's in me. So, you know, I think in my DNA, I look for, I just find myself going down these paths and finding ways where, I mean, I, I deserve to be getting the Iwata airbrushes and paint guns. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I busted pricey. my ass yeah. to be here. Why am I not getting it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think like that. But then I also realize I know in my, I know that that's not a positive way to go about life. Because then you're never going to gain anything because you're too busy thinking everybody owes you something rather than you going to take what you're supposed to be getting, right? True. So like I said, you know, I, you know, for people that listen to my podcast, and I, I've never really said this on my podcast because my podcast isn't really about me. It's about my guests, mm-hmm. right? So, and I'm not trying to make a public announcement like, hey, guys, so look, I'm fucked up. <laughs> you Don't know? worry. I'll make a reel about it. There we go. Yeah. So. Like I said, it's not it, it's just not something I get to talk about much. And honestly, I've only developed this understanding of myself through doing podcasts, through conversing with other people yeah. before and after, during. You you just start to re- it, you start to learn more about yourself as you talk to more people about who they are, right? Because yeah. you might have similarities. I'm like, oh man, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, and us men are all sitting here instead of thinking about like, yeah, I fucked that girl once she was in Playboy, man. Look at this. Oh, We're nice. just sitting here talking <laughs> about our feelings and shit, you know? Yeah. Right, right. You so know where I fucking, I, I find it too? A thousand mile bike ride. Yeah, yeah. And Dude. I do a lot of those. I'll get off the bike sometimes after a long ride and be like, who the fuck am I? What am I doing with my life? Yeah. What happened? Where? Did, or I'll like revisit some trauma from high school or. Just gets off the bike and starts crying. Yeah. Well, that's why I leave the helmet on. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I didn't run. I just put gas in my car. It's all it's steamed over on the oh inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hot in here. There's snot everywhere. It's a good time. Yeah, no, I fucking. I, the Get riding's your modular, cathartic. Yeah. Ah, I, really, I really need to. I'm thinking this, uh, I think it's a speed bandit. Uh, mod bandit. Mod bandit. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the you know, road therapy, man. Like, I think uh, someone said this best on my podcast a long time ago, and I've always regurgitated it. Every every hundred miles is another layer of the onion of your mind that you're getting past. Like you, the first hundred miles you're thinking about right now, the bike. Wh- what are you doing? The second hundred miles you're thinking about the last two weeks of your life and what you you know what's how how have things gone? Blah blah blah. The next three hundred miles you're thinking about, man, where am I at in life? What's going on? Like you know, just am I on the right path this year? You know, and then. Then you get to this point where you're th- starting to think about the future and and all the things you're doing now. It, it's just like you really start peeling back this un this layer, these layers in your mind and and trying to uh, understand yourself and where you're going and and almost like out of body experience. Yeah, if you will. You yeah. know what I mean. At least that's for me. I I don't think that's everybody because I'll I'll be 400 miles in and pull up next to my boy and he's bobbing his head listening to Limp Biscuit or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no way he's being fucking introspective listening to Limp Biscuit right now. No, right, right, right. He's, he's breaking about that stuff. Playboy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about that Playboy model. Yeah. So there's like it, it's different strokes for different folks, obviously. But you know, for me, I found that you know a lot of times, you know, even though Lexan's one of my sponsors, I don't really listen to music while I ride because I enjoy the silence. I enjoy the the alone time in my head. You know, right, right. and. Uh, you know, it just helps me. Like, on this trip, I've been able to think about a lot of things that I want to pursue over the next year. Mm. And different, you know, I'm an overthinker as well, so I'm constantly, like, 
I'm playing out s- scenarios of life in the next two years with these plans. Like, what could go wrong? What could go right? Is it worth it? You know, weighing all my risks that I can, you know, that I have, that I see, I- if you will. And, you know, that's that's what gets me. The next thing you know, I look up, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I just did 100 miles. Mm. Yeah, dude. You know? You, you, like, blink to you, like, oh, fuck, I am on a fucking motorcycle. <laughs> Yo, shit, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, boy, hold on. Okay. Uh. Yeah. That's exactly how I that think goes. I think a lot of the boys actually, like, listen to music. Yeah, I mean, and like there's nothing wrong with that. I just like think that it's, uh, I mean, how many times y'all riding across country? Not cross country. Not as many as you. I mean, you guys, I know y'all did the trip to, like, St. George and all that stuff last year and stuff. Like, that's a good rip. It's a thousand miles, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but also, like, when you ride alone cross country. That. That's got to be fucking something different. That's something. That is different, huh? Oh, yeah, dude. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But I would never pass off the opportunity to experience the road with somebody. But I do kind of crave the the loneliness and it's kind of crazy when I'm sitting in the middle of New Mexico thinking like, is this safe? <laughs> am, am I, if <laughs> someone I attacks me, should I sh- am I good at fighting? <laughs> am I good? Can I fight? <laughs> when was the last time we got in a fight? Is this pocket knife? Is it lethal? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. When's the last time I sharpened this? Hey, and, I, and I hear New Mexico is wild dog. Yeah. The natives out there don't fucking play. You end up on that res. You ain't coming off. Yeah. So there, I mean, I think about shit like that, but <laughs> I loved a future trip too. Yeah. Or like I'll, I'll, I, I could be fucking driving down the eight and I just have this fucking daydream of like, what if I, what if this happened? And then yeah, I go on that's a murderous a rampage. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my wife's bad at that. Where she like is on the back of the bike. She's like, what if we wreck right now? Oh my god, I'm getting anxiety. (laughs) 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 Can you pull over her? Yeah, I was like, don't think like that, babe. I don't think I never. I've never. I don't have that thought when I ride. Like, I never have. Every once in a while, we go over a really tall bridge. I'm like, can I get blown off of here? Like, (laughs) if the wind blows hard, will it pick me up? Is this motorcycle (laughs) way enough to hold me down? Am I gonna be that guy? (laughs) Bridges specifically, I instantly go to fucking uh, Dark Knight Rises. Where the Bane is Bane gonna blow up the fucking Golden <laughs> Gate right now or this bridge? And uh, am I gonna be crossing the Coronado? How good can I swim? Can I swim from the middle of this bay to yeah. the shore? <laughs> it's cold, dude. Yeah. So there's certain bridges like that freak me out over others. Like you go across like a, I'll tell you the like two that freak me out. One is the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. Yeah. The one that where you're <laughs> underneath the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah, remember yeah. that back in the day that motherfucker fell on each other. Yeah. In, in the her- earthquake. <laughs> Golden Gate doesn't bother me at all. Like, I'm good with that. There's another bridge in Antioch that goes into, like, it's in NorCal as well, and it goes into, like, uh, more of the the Delta area. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those, like, two-lane, super fucking tall bridges. Like, those big arches, that way the boats can pass through. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you're just, like, on this upward fucking deal, but you're, like, you're one lane wide on this little narrow bridge, and you just feel like there's just not enough earth <laughs> under me right now. <laughs> it's not wide enough. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, f- I get a little oh yeah, uh, we sweaty know. hands like on that shit. Yeah, we got, we got the Coronado. Is that what the Coronado that bridge is like is, here? Yeah, yeah, that shit ass. It's two lanes, but it, it like, it it goes up, but it bows, too. Yeah, yeah, same, same. That's what I'm saying. And there's, like, no guardrail. Yeah. yeah. You could literally, like, hop off your bike and cascade to the fucking. Yeah, thing. fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a ferry. <laughs> Uh, d- where I'm from in Norfolk, there's bridges and tunnels, and I haven't rode a bike through a tunnel. And the roads are also trash in Virginia. Tunnels don't fucking bother me, dude. I, we've done a lot of tunnels in uh, like Virginia Beach. Yeah, there. So that's um, that's where I grew up. Is yeah, the Virginia Beach, Norfolk area. Yeah, so right there, we did a lot of tunnels, and of course, going through New York, there's lots of tunnels. Yep. Doesn't bother me, man. 
for some reason. The, water, the walls are leaking and yeah, shit. And you like can actually see it. Yeah, okay. Good. Hey, this is another episode rev it up in here. where oh, Jesus Christ. New York got brought up, and I didn't have naturally. to say it. Just naturally. Oh, so you're <laughs> from New York, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I love He New hasn't York. been there in uh, 22 years, but he's he's resting his laurels he's on He's probably that. got a New York tattoo, huh? No, he no I don't. He doesn't I don't have, have any tattoos. Shit. Fucking jabron. Smart. What yeah. does the rest of your trip look like, man? You're obviously coming out for Born Free, but how much longer after that are you going to Oh, do? dude, I'm leaving as soon as it's over. No. Sunday? <laughs> no, so uh, obviously down here in San Diego, got to spend some time with Juan, uh, who's become a great friend over his last couple of years. I've known, or actually this last year, because I met him when he came and did the podcast last May of last year. Um, I haven't been through San Diego much on a motorcycle. I've been down here in, in, a, in my car because my wife's brother, who was Navy, lived here, so we would come see him and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy it. It's meeting more people is cool to have like connections here. I know a lot of people in LA because that's where my wife's from. So we're there a lot and just business and industry. It's always worked out well. So, uh, leaving here, going to see my boy, Dave, at lucky Dave's, uh, hang out with him for a little bit. Then I'm going to try to get up to, uh, long beach tonight and stay the night. And then I'm gonna go see Saddleman in the morning for some business stuff with the FXR tour. And then what's the tomorrow be Tuesday and then tomorrow evening I'm supposed to meet some photographers down in like a what's the uh, L.A. River to do some photos and shit. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Hell yeah. And then my wife gets in Wednesday. And so we're just going to kind of like probably go ride the Neptunes and go hit the beach. Like just do no business stuff like just hanging out right for Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday we're going to mosey down towards uh, the Born Free area and then head home on Monday. And then I go home for fucking six days, and then I'm back on the road with the homies on a Midwest trip. Damn, that's sick. Yeah, you were talking it, about it that. It is, but I'm fucking not looking forward to it with this. <laughs> just to get on the road glide. <sighs> no, you can't. You just painted the fucking ST. You got to yeah. fucking. <laughs> there's, there's people think, oh, this dude got free parts. Like, no, dude, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, that part you of know, it, too. It's, it's con- you got to make content for these people. You know what I mean? And it's your job. And if you don't do it and if you're not good at doing it, that's what I was saying about stunt riders. Sometimes they have a hard time understanding that their job is to create a draw towards these products that they run on their bikes, not just do a wheelie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's finding good angles, being a videographer, a photographer, all this shit. Like, I have to do all that, you know? And it's still find a way to have fun doing this, mm. you know? So not well, complaining because I'm riding motorcycles I was just about to say, well, if you have any bikes, you need me to ride, my man. I got <laughs> you. <laughs> dude, that's another dude that I, Chopsky. I know you've had him on yeah. your podcast. I, I'm waiting for that guy to come back out here. We'd love it's to. Good have dude, him on. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. He's a. He's um. It's been a very very pleasurable, uh, experience watching him grow. I mean, I I don't say that as like somebody that is superior. Like he's the fucking man with photography and motorcycles, straight up. So as somebody that inspires me to shoot photos, as well as somebody that I've just known for a while now and watched him grow through social media, like his work and how it's progressed and how he's uh, been able to invest more into his equipment and invest more time into his craft. And, you know, those are the kind of things that, that inspire me. That's I wish Instagram was just shit like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. Dude, his time lapses of his work, like for yeah. anybody that knows Adobe products and watching his time lapses on Photoshop, you're fucking blown away. You're like, yeah. wow, this dude's masking out everything and the, like 20 layers on one photo. Yeah. You think he just throws a fucking filter on it. Yeah. That's what the rest of the world thinks, right? But yeah. if you know what goes into it, it's fucking mind-blowing how talented he is. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that like 
find like seeing it, seeing you know the way that he's capturing the world through his lens is is like he's leaving a legacy behind that I'm I'm excited to be that it's a part of my generation, you right? Chopsky photos, right? Yeah, he he shot me uh, just shooting the shit uh, last year with Taylor Schultz at, at uh, Born Free. He shot a couple when he came to town. We shot a couple of the bike, but we were kind of rushing around to go show him the city of Dallas and then get back and do a podcast. Right. So we didn't really do as much, but you know, I, I find it just fun to, uh, to know these guys, you know what I'm saying? Like to know them and you know, anytime like I do a shot and he's like badass, I'm like, hell yeah. Fucking mm. hell yeah. That's who I am. Those are, those are those, uh, real good compliments that you get that yeah, makes yeah. you feel good about stuff. Right. Um, I like yeah. how, I like how gritty they look. Yeah. Like super gritty. Texture. I don't know. I don't know anything about photos yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So like looking at his pictures and stuff like that, it looks really gritty. Real. There's like two things about photography that create your style. Like almost pops. Yeah, it's how you edit and how you shoot. Obviously, well, the only things about it, right? Right, right. The composition, how you choose to look at the world, is the most unique thing about photography. Mm -hmm. Is because most of us emulate what we've seen someone else do. Therefore, there's an originator for that view, that angle, that that idea, that composition is what it's called. And then the editing is honestly like still, um, there's still like a, there's still room for growth. Like you, there's things that haven't been done, right? right. That's where you can kind of start to, you know, edit in ways that are going to become trendy and not so trendy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's going to be always be that, but teal and orange yeah teal and orange is a very common uh cinematic kind of vibe that a lot of movies do and stuff but you know you with photography it it's got space to allow people to grow but it's also one of those industries it's almost impossible to make a living at because there's so many people and here's this is what fucked me up right a friend of mine told me this one day he goes and i kind of i don't want to discredit him telling me by saying i kind of knew this mm -hmm. but I'm going to say it anyway because I just did. Um, Unrealized. When you look, when every bit of photography you consume, you consume it through your phone, which is a backlit, like, camera that's this size. Maybe you got a Max iPhone or fucking a Big Dog Galaxy or some shit like nah, that. I got a straight up 10. Oh, yeah, dude. I saw that, man. I was like, ooh. That's grow like a up. flip phone, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, grow up. Yeah. It's all good. We still out here. <laughs> yeah. Still need a, out I need here. a button for that one. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> we still um, out here. We're surviving. <laughs> the uh, when I started printing things, that's when shit changed. Mm. And I think that so many people don't value photography because they only look at it in the same space on their phone through Instagram, which is a downgraded version of the quality of the photo that you put out there. But if you were to ever go to someone's house and they have a huge photo of something, you know. And it's good. It's a good photo. That that's impactful. Like that's how photography is meant to be seen, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like different. Like not the same. Like e every photo looks the same on on your phone because everything has the same li lit up background, right? It looks like everything's like it's crazy. It, it's I'm trying to find a way to describe it, right? But when you go to like the Harley Museum or something like that, and you see these old photos, or you know, you go to I'm trying to think, like, modern art museum. Yeah, but who the fuck does that, right? <laughs> I was like, me, the fucking lame. <laughs> lame. This <laughs> guy. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of, like, some places I've been that where I saw photography that really kind of floored me. 
maybe like once I went to when I went to Indian Larry block party once and being in Indian Larry's shop, they had a lot of great photography of him. Right, right, right. That kind of uh, really resonated. Um, yeah, he's been around forever. Uh, he's not around anymore, well, but he's been his, around. His, well, no, like his brand is like his been brand, yeah, for sure, forever. I, photography, I just feel like is. Uh, I think that as a world of consumers, we've been consuming it the same way. Therefore, we've all started to create the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something I've actually been wanting to do is to I want to create like an art show for photographers within the motorcycle community, right? But Man, you got like way too many. You like yeah, no, I like that though because <laughs> that, yeah. that's you a lot. create for yeah. all these guys that are doing it, and then you sublimate their artwork or you just get regular prints and you come yeah. in. It, my my homeboy is a f- he fucking the one I was telling you about before the show. He's a DOP. He films for a fuck ton of people. Red Bull World yeah. Surf League. I have one of his my favorite photos of his is right above my desk, and it's shooting through the five. There was this hole in the fence on the overpass. Okay, and oh it's yeah, a yeah, fucking time lapse where there's white lights going this way and red, red lights yeah. going the other. And there's, like, graffiti, like, little tags on the fucking metal pole holding it. There's just so much detail that because I have this fucking metal print, I can I can see all yeah. this. I can see the fucking plane. I can see the airport. I can see downtown. I don't get that when I look at the phone. I have to fucking pull it open and zoom in. But when it's a fucking metal, tangible print right in front of me, mm-hmm. there's more to grab. Yeah. I think two things people should do more of. One, stop and watch the sunsets because they're badass, right? And it'll change your mood. Your mood. You can't be pissed off watching the sunset. Think about it. It's like the old Tosh.0 bit. You ever seen a pissed off person on a jet ski? No. (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) It's like a sunset. Who's pissed off watching that? You're like, dude, what the fuck, man? Fucking up my sunset, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And second, like, everybody has a home. If you listen to this podcast, you got a fucking house, right? You live somewhere. Yeah. Right, right. Go fucking buy real stuff to put on the wall. Photography doesn't cost a lot of money. You know, to, to hit somebody up that, that's on Instagram that, like, makes something, whether it's a Chopsky or uh, the homie here. Um, fuck, I forget his name. Big Lou? No. Uh, does a lot of with the stunt scene a lot. Josh. Oh, Josh. Josh, Josh yeah. So I got, I got Josh to shoot my bike back in Sturgis a long time ago, and I still have the file that I want to print and put in the studio because I – Great story how I met him. We'll say that for another podcast. But um, buy buy something. It doesn't even have to be from motorcycles. Just anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Buy something real, not from Target, and put it on your wall. And appreciate that, that you know somebody went and took that photo. And if you buy stuff that you actually are drawn to, that liked, and you put that in your house instead of all these cliche things, home is where the heart is, and shit like Live, that. Live, laugh, love. Who the fuck wants to see that? Like, that's... Isn't your home supposed to be an inspiring place to be? Yes. Right, right. A sanctuary? Right. That's not, you don't, that's like people saying that the national anthem is the best song ever. It's right? not. Nobody fucking puts that on their phone. Nobody jams that out. That's, that's true. true. Right? Yeah. So why would you put this shit that's supposed to be like, that, like, if you need words like that to inspire you, like, like human resource office stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not inspiring i think that if you go out and you find images in the world through photographers or whatever the case may be that inspire you right. that make you feel a certain way then you put those in your home you might change the way you feel every day when you go up and see it yeah i, li- I like i like the i like what you were talking about like um uh having like a gallery for these guys yeah yeah that's like, plan. That, like that'd be that'd be dope like i got so much plans ha- bro i was just sitting down Time, here like baby. listening to you listening to you i was like dude I, I'm, I'm exhausted yeah my man, you got the FXR tour. You got to go do. You got to head back to Texas, and then he's coming back for Born Free, right? No, no, no I'm. No, he's no. here all yeah, week I'm until here all Born week. Free. Yeah. So then you're doing 
you're doing barn free, then you're going to smash back out to Texas, then you're going to smash up to the Midwest, and then you're going to do the FXR tour, right? Oh, no, the FXR tour is in, uh, in October. I go to Sturgis after that, then come home. Then me and the boys are doing a September trip to finish all 48 states together. So we got to go east and hit three states that we missed going east, West Virginia, South Carolina, and Florida. We've ridden all these states. You, we saved, you saved not the together. best for last. Huh? Yeah. So, so no four corners for you? No, unfortunately, I can't. I mean, it's just out too, of the way. Yeah, it's out of the way and, and right. whatnot. And um, but yeah, I mean the the thing is, it's like it whatever 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 I had whatever this is the fast life garage whatever attention it has whatever the podcast has. I'm just trying to do something with it. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm X. throwing darts, man. I'm throwing darts in things that I like that I feel like are natural things that I, that I'm happy to be a part of. I'm not forcing myself to do anything I don't want to do, and I love photography. And I see a dis- I, I see something that I think could be better, and I think that finding a way to create something that it that makes photographers the highlight of the event, which it's gonna be tough. Like, why would you jump in an airplane and come to this event? So I got to make this event somehow inspiring enough to get you to either jump in an airplane or ride your bike across country to come to it. Right. Right? You probably do like an indoor board. Oh, it's like, especially like when you have like guys like Josh and Chopsky who have shot so many fucking riders. Mm-hmm. Like if you think of like all those riders just put their fucking bike in front of their photos. Like so. Yeah. So that's a lot of space. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like an indoor yeah, well, mm-hmm. indoor stuff costs tens, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So you have to have more. It, it's a lot that goes into it. You got to think about like, well, how do I? This is a different experience. Th- this experience becomes like you know a Mama Tried or a One Moto Show or something like that, which right. those exist. And I wouldn't mind putting my name in that hat to create something along the lines of that, but with our own twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of in the works ish, but in the works meaning nothing's on the table yet. It's in the works in the head, right? Yeah. Right, right. But I do want to create something that focuses on the artists of this industry over the brands of this industry, right? Mm-hmm. Because the artists is what props up a lot of the brands. Yep. Every, uh, the native photo. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from uh, from uh, Speed Kings, my boy up there. Great dude. But you got all this great photography come from native photo out, out of there that we need to exploit this dude. He's creating pieces of work that's badass. All the people that are working with Hot Bike Magazine now. Hell Joshua, you know. Um, our homie LRK Design, Londis. He Londis is the one that, who does our fucking designs. Yeah, he did does your mine, fucking yeah. design. So a lot of these people, like, creating a way for them to create a place to exploit themselves, maybe make something that they can sell to people. And you could come in and you could buy, like, some prints from Josh or Chopsky um, or buy some original badass stuff that they're probably going to charge more for that's framed and set up. Mm-hmm. But give each one of these guys space to show the world what they do. Mm. And they got to get creative. You know, uh, Get Bent Moto is another one of those who's been doing this kind of stuff and creating vendor spaces where he has a lot of cool shots of bikes on metal prints and he sells them. Yep. And you, would, I, I mean, I always, I, I'm not trying to like hate on that or anything because I think it's amazing what he's doing. I've always been held back from doing that. Like, I, why would somebody buy a picture of somebody else's bike? But then you think about it, like, That's maybe, maybe our scene doesn't, but the rest of the Hell Yeah brothers that exist in this world do. Right, That's right. garage pieces. It's garage pieces. So yeah. I thought about, well, I, I wouldn't mind taking photos of stuff and making posters out of it. It might not be a print that's going in your living room. I mean, let's be real. That's a lot of conversation with the old lady and bargaining to get that <laughs> kind of real estate, right? Yeah. Facts. 
But at the same time, you know, if you can find a way to bring motorcycles into photography that doesn't seem like a like an Instagram post, then maybe it can fit in the living room. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know who does a really good job of that? Terry. Which Terry? Like, um, Black Terry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depiction. It's the only way I can say That's what he goes That's by. That's what he goes by. Y'all supposed to be the most woke people in, the, in America out here. <laughs> What's up with all this racism? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Uh, I forget you're from fucking Dallas. Y'all getting woke out there. Aww. What's red is turning purple, baby. Nah, it's not. We're not getting red. Y'all just keep moving over here. <laughs> I can't stand the politics out there. <laughs> Let me go here and then like, oh, you can't do that. Why are y'all so Christian? <laughs> What's up with your Christian values? <laughs> oh, we don't have that either. <laughs> we do have mega churches. That's that's big. You got Joel Osteen out there. Oh yeah. God. Well, Dave. you know, gotta support the hustles, man. Hey, for real. It, Religion is the best business on earth, baby. Dude, I thought about starting churches so many times. Oh, God. Just peddling Jesus, dude. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the best-selling book of all time, the Bible. Come on. <laughs> no, remix that shit. Yeah, <laughs> put a spin on it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll turn to Jace 312. Oh, God. And he roseth the front wheel <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Oh, my God. What should people look out for for the rest of it? We're at the halfway point of 2023. Uh, What's the last six months look like for the Fast Life Garage? Oh, uh, well, I'm still pursuing heavily with the the YouTube. That's something I really want to – I'm trying to give myself the la- this year to learn the, the way I want to show the world my, my day-to-day, right? And I, it, it still feels super fucking egotistical to even think that people care, right? But – Apparently, they watch everybody else, so fuck it. I'm throwing my name in the hat, right? That's right. I do enjoy making videos. I enjoy that aspect of it. So I want to really practice and get proficient and consistent with that and continue to, like, find ways to improve everything that I do, whether it be the podcast or, you know, painting, obviously, as well. I do I do not plan to carry my current shop into 2024. I don't want to have a paint shop anymore. That's going away. The whole the whole get down. You're just gonna move. I don't know. I don't want to uh, have the overhead. I don't want the overhead. I don't mind having overhead, but I want it to be for a new venture. Okay. Right. And I feel like I've been talking about it for years, and unless I just put a fucking like force myself to go into a a thing, I can change it. Right. I don't plan. I'm not saying I'm not gonna paint anymore. Because I still have a lot of great customers and I still want to stay relevant because that's my fallback for everything in life. Um, but I'm blessed to have a lot of friends that have shops and helmets don't take up a lot of space to create. So I'm, I'm going to be okay in that aspect. I'll still paint every month, um, but I'm not going to be painting a lot of bikes. I'm not going to be offering a lot of helmets. A lot of the helmets will only be going to the current customer base that really consistently work and buy helmets from me, which I'm, once again, very fortunate to have people that buy multiple helmets a year. That's why I don't offer, I haven't taken a helmet in since almost last summer. Damn. You know, because the current customers I have will do three a year. And these guys pay money. They let me do what I want to do. And they appreciate everything I, you know what I mean? So, like, fuck, why am I going to, I mean, I can't do another one for you. Yeah, fuck no. It's too good. It's too good. (laughs) You've already had a, a taste of a good thing. Yeah, so, you know, and, it allows me to focus more energy on, on creating things. I want to create an indoor event. Um, I want to, yeah, so th- uh, as far as the rest of the year, I just want to continue to focus on 
getting the FXR tour done, getting the build done on my end, which I will not be doing next year. (laughs) Um, So getting that done and continue to, like, just have all these irons in the fire, and I'm going to start pulling some of them out slowly. That way I'm left with only a couple things, and I want to hyper-focus on the podcast, the YouTube next year, and try to take our content to the next level up. Just like when we started doing video, we kind of learned that space, and we've been there for going on four years now with the video stuff. So now that's kind of like the that's the norm. You know, you guys got video now. So now I need to figure out what's the next step to move it. And then once I figure out that shit, I'll be able to share that knowledge with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Blows me away how fucking open you were with that. Like, you don't you didn't gatekeep any of this for us. This, this wouldn't be a thing if you didn't answer my text message. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot, dude. I, I was gonna, on my salutation, I was going to fucking give you the... But we'll do it right now. I fucking could not be more grateful for everything you've done for us. Like He's about to suck you out. Oh, yeah. Whip that fucking... Yeah! <laughs> you've helped me elevate this podcast to what I'd always hoped and dreamed it would be. And you oh did yeah. it fucking effortlessly, and I really appreciate that. Well, you know, one thing that I think that everybody should do, and I'm trying to practice what I preach, is... I think that, like, we can all build our own legacy within what we do, but our legacy has to be carried on through other people that we help. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where it helps, right? So, you know, and, and not saying that this is, like, legacy shit, but I'm just saying, like, that's a small fry of information that I struggled to learn that it, it wasn't like you didn't already invest in podcast equipment. You had already been doing it, and you reached the point of wanting to go to the next level. So I appreciate the effort you put in to get there. Therefore, I had no problem giving you the information you needed to get to the next spot. Now, if you hit me up and say, hey, man, I want to start a podcast. How do I do it? You're not getting shit from me. Yeah. Because you haven't tried. You haven't invested yet. Right, right. So I respect the investment, and that's why I'm willing to help people. But I'm not willing to help people that don't put the time in and help. Because if you put the time in, you're going to ask the right questions, and I can give you the right answers. Right? Yep. But if you don't put the time in, you're asking me the big, the big vague question. Like, I just have all the fucking time in the world <laughs> to run through on a text message on Instagram how to do this. Like, come on, bro. Miss me. Yeah. Don't Same make way. me be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me do this to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> next. <laughs> oh, man, I really appreciate you coming on again. It's been an For absolute sure, dude. banger yeah. episode. I hope you have a fucking great week. If you're not doing anything Friday and you want to come down to San Diego House of Blues, you're more than welcome to come to Emo Night. That's a long drive, buddy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) For music that you probably don't even like. (laughs) Like Black Charlotte or some shit? Yeah, all that. All that. Tonight would be the night that I will fall for you over again. You're going to fuck around and get demonetized on YouTube. Singing. Singing. Unbelievable, but yeah, I would. You'll be good. It, it wasn't that good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck. I will definitely see you this Sunday. I'm yeah. gonna be fucking doing a ride from here up. So I'm gonna bring like 30 jagaloons with me. And we're gonna have a fucking good time. I'm excited, man. Born free is a good time. <sighs> so good. Maybe I'll win that raffle bike this year. Good luck. Man can wish. <laughs> man can dream. Rafa, you got any parting words? Hey, man, it was a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Like always, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Got any more buttons for the end of this? Uh, let me see. I got. This. <laughs>